When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I just love those intros so much. Every week we get a new one and I'm just like, ah, we only have one more left. I was texting with Cameron Kennedy and I'm like, bro, send me it. Send me your draft wherever you're at with the last one. He's like, nah, dude, you need to see the final product. This one is a hitter. So definitely stay tuned for that. But that's a whole week away. We're talking about a whole different thing because this is kind of funny as an interview. Of course, I'm Tim Geddes joined by Anthony Carboni. Oh, my goodness. I cannot believe here we are. The final ride of the Spider Boys. It's been lovely being a part of this whole series with you. This is a lot of fun, and this is such a great one to end on. I'm so happy to be here. I'm happy to have you as well, and I'm also happy to have the producer slash seducer, Nick Scarpino. I'm just going to say it right now. When the Lord of the Rings wrapped, they all got tattoos. So where are we at? Are we getting Spider Boys Boys tattoos? (laughs) Spider Boys! Let me tell you something. You think I wouldn't get a Spider-Man tattoo anyway, but now we've got an excuse? Mm. Mm. Now that's something. What do you think? New face of video games, Forbes 30 under 30, blessing at AOA Jr. I'm totally down, number one, with Spider-Man tattoos. No, Spider-Boy tattoos, excuse me. I'm totally down to rock with the Spider-Boys. Also, uh, if I was on a trip, if I was going on a trip to Europe with the the homies, with like, let's say a debate club. Uh, if I was going on a trip to Europe, this is what I'd wear. I feel like this would help me fit in really well in uh, jolly old England or Italy or wherever I'm rocking. I love it, man. You know when, but you know when Betty Brant looks at looks at Peter and goes, "Your whole new look." Yeah, I love oh, it. Yeah, yeah. That's that's how I'm feeling right now. I'm just missing the glasses. I need some good glasses to go with it. Oh, dude, the, dude we can't let you have good glasses, plus. Then your power is too strong. <laughs> you you yeah. need to be held back just a little yeah. bit. All right, you're not you're not office. ready for Edith yet. Yes, <laughs> I'm getting there though. I'm gonna get there. <laughs> One day, but not yet, because this is Kind of Funny's In Review, where each and every week we get together to rank, review, and recap two different movie franchises. Sometimes we do rewatches, like we're doing right now, leading into Spider-Man No Way Home, but we're also doing The Matrix In Review with Paris Lily. You can go check that out on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny. Leading into The Matrix Resurrections. What a time for all of us to be alive. You can watch it on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny or roosterteeth.com if you wanted to get it as a podcast just search your favorite podcast service for kind of funny in review and we'll be right there for you but if you wanted to get the show ad free and if you wanted to watch it live as it's being recorded you got to go to patreon.com slash kind of funny just like our patreon producers molecule pranksy and greg miller returns to content next month nick should quit now thank you all Thank you all. For I love it every time. Yep. Now, as a real Matrix fan, I got to ask, you, are, are you watching and ranking every cutscene from the Matrix online, which is canon? It is canon. 
We are we are every theatrically released Matrix <laughs> movie is what we're sticking to for this Car- one. Carboni, there's enough in the theatrically released movies. We, there's just so much. Someone say there's too much in those movies. No. We haven't recorded our review for two yet. We will be doing that soon. No. Nick, so please, hush your mouth. Hush your mouth, Nobody, Nick Nobody's ever had a problem in their lives with The Matrix 2. Please. <laughs> Reloaded. We're like rewatching every day because it's the best of the three. No. Good Lord. No. All right. Today we're brought like, to you by Babel, Overland, and Raycon. But we'll talk all about that later. We got to get into it. Spider-Man Far From Home with mm-hmm. a runtime of two hours and nine minutes. It was released on July 2nd, 2019. Just yeah, a couple good. short. Oh, yeah. Hey. Yeah. Just a couple short months after Avengers Endgame. What a, what a crazy moment in time that was. Uh, directed once again by John Watts, who... For a reminder, same guy that did Homecoming, Far From Home, No Way Home, and will be doing the Fantastic Four. Music once again by who, Nick Scarpino? Michael Giacchino. No. Giacchino. No. Damn it. I've messed it up this time. Giacchino. Giacchino. Thank you. You got it. Yeah. Killing the game, man. And oh, does he bring it in this one? I love all the festive vibes he has with it. He's like, guess what? The Spider-Man MCU theme? It's going to be European. What do you got, Nick? Mm -hmm. Just the music in this movie in general is a delight. The fact that they've gone around and they've just picked like songs, like just slap happy songs from all of these places that they go to makes me legitimately want to just dial up this playlist in my car, get a, just a piping hot espresso. That's just mm. right at the top, you know, Carboni. We're like, why would they fill it so high and just rip around corners in a little Fiat of San Francisco? Just listen. Mm-hmm. It's, it's great. You're going to have to, if you're, if you're leaning into these Euro vibes, you're going to have to learn how to pronounce Italian words. Ciao, man. Ciao. <laughs> you're gonna need to pronounce Italian names if you're gonna lean on that. Fiat. No, no, no. That guy's not a real Italian. That's that's not. <laughs> Nobody knows how to pronounce his name. It's okay. Don't worry about Here it. Here we go. I had a budget of 160 million dollars <laughs> and a box office of over 1.1 billion dollars. Oh yeah, worldwide, making it the first Spider-Man film to break the Billy and Sony Pictures' highest-grossing film ever of all time. Uh, the fourth highest-grossing film of 2019, which. When you think about that, 2019 was such a banger year for movies that this was the fourth highest grossing. Yeah. You've uh, got to imagine that became... not only did they get 1.1 billion, but like because it was a co-pro with Marvel, they also didn't like lose the 600 million they lose on every 200 million dollar movie they make just doing rewrites, reshoots, yeah. ad marketing. Like mm. this was a winner for Sony. This partnership has been a winner. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and it also is the 24th highest grossing film of all time, uh, which is just so nuts the, to think about. What was the movie that in 2020 was like the highest grossing movie for a really long time? Because it was the only one that came out right before the pandemic. Well, oh there God, was I... Sonic the Hedgehog and Bad Boys. It, it was, was Bad Boys. Life. I remember, bad, remember that there was, a, there was a hot moment in 2020 where Bad Boys for Life was the highest grossing movie of 2020. Yes. And it was and awesome. So- Sonic, and then it was something where, like, Sonic had the biggest opening, and then also, like, Sonic was the best-reviewed, like, theatrical-released movie of 2020 for a while. I was just like, this world has really gone topsy-turvy. It's changed. It's yeah. Changed, and then what ended up happening is uh, a lot of Chinese movies were made and like the worldwide box office, they ended up topping it all out. But mm. yeah, 2020, what a crazy time. And here we are a week away from Spider-Man No Way Home. I wonder where it lands. Let's go around the table. Mm. Does it cross a billion dollars? Yes. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. I think across, I think, okay, I'm going to predict a couple things right now, guys. I'm going to throw this out on the table. I know there's no future spoilers. I think... It, dom- it, it tops a bill 
and comes in a little bit ahead of Far From Home, maybe bigger, better than Homecoming on our list. Mm. The mental list that we're keeping, because we're not keeping a big list. But you know what I mean? I, think, I feel like it's, like it's going to be better than any Tom Holland Spider-Man. Oh, you think it's going to be in terms of quality? Yes, in terms of wow. quality. That's wow. the one thing I'm worried about. Like, I'm worried about quality. Yeah. I think part of that is uh, purely the trailers that we've gotten. And I know, like, there's a lot of there's a lot of things up in the air in terms of what are they editing out? What are they hiding? What does Kevin Feige not want to show us? But also, I think in terms of the Herculean task they have at hand to try and make all this shit make sense in a way that fits with the universe, in yes. a way that fits with the multiverse, in a way that, mm-hmm. like... Do, doesn't feel messy i can't imagine them pulling off everything 100 percent. like yeah. i'm so it's, nervous to see is, how they actually land with it but if they can yeah the but it's the a challenge they the can the this be the greatest part of the movie saying. ever sticking yeah. a landing particularly in a trilogy is always incredibly hard and if this one is bringing in as many different elements as we think it's bringing in it's going to be a particularly tough one a tough landing to stick and also a tough one to give like this one has the emotional core that I was looking for in the first in the first Tom Holland Spider-Man, by the way. And it's going to be hard to reproduce that in a movie that has so much going on, you know? Hey, they um, stuck Thor Ragnarok. That was the end of a trilogy, right? That's true. I mean, I, I think Endgame, Endgame is a better example to use. Right. Technically not a trilogy, but in terms of like the end of a storyline, like this being the end of the home trilogy, like mm-hmm. they're going all out. I, I'm stoked. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, but yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I, I'm expecting and I hope this to be the first move it across a billion in the pandemic era. Get us back on track just a little bit. Um, but with all of that said, Bless, I want to start with you. What do you think of Spider-Man Far From Home? Yeah, I mean, uh, connect, connecting it back to uh, No Way Home for a second, because I, we're, we're asking the question of, is No Way Home going to stand up? I think one of the things that does make me a bit nervous about No Way Home is re-watching Far From Home again and realizing that I like this Spider-Man movie. I don't love this Spider-Man movie. I think it is still quality because it has all those MCU aspects of it. It has the funny writing. It has the good action. It has the good pacing. It has all of the things that make an MCU movie good. All those are present in this movie. But as a as a Spider-Man movie, I think the some of the problems that we were citing last week about Homecoming and how people have these different qualms with Homecoming, whether it is like it's too much Iron Man or it's too much MCU, all these things... Those things that, you know, I those things that I saw about Homecoming and I identified but didn't necessarily have an issue with, I think in Far From Home, those things actually do loop around and I start to feel those things more. Things like Samuel Jackson being in Far From Home and things like uh, like Happy and like, I mean, ha- Happy I love, but like, you know, there there are enough MCU connections and things that are centered around the, uh, uh, MCU, especially with Mysterio and how his whole story kind of loops back around to being hired by Tony Stark and, the, and that whole bit that feel very tethered to the MCU in a way where I'm like, just let Spider-Man be Spider-Man. I think that is one thing that kind of holds this movie back a little bit for me. And then the other thing being that in a lot of ways, this feels like a sequel to Homecoming as a teen comedy as opposed to a Spider-Man movie. Uh, especially in the first half. Like, they really double down on comedy. They really double down on the classmates. And I understand why they do that, because those are the things that we really loved about Homecoming. But in a lot of instances, I feel like they go a little bit too far in terms of trying to be funny, trying to nail down the comedy. They introduce the the other teacher character. And, like, you know, he's funny. But there's so much, so there's so much of this movie where I'm like, okay, this feels like less of a superhero movie, and now it does feel like a pure comedy in a lot of instances. And I think that switches up halfway through. I was feeling a lot of those feelings in the first half. 
halfway through in the second half of the movie, uh, the movie kind of came together way better for me. And it, the, the weird thing is, like, the Mysterio twist and the way that they execute it, I don't love, I don't think it's perfect. I like parts of it. I, I like Jake Gyllenhaal, like, laughing and, like, the, the virtual reality stuff fading away. But there's something about that scene that doesn't totally sit right with me. I don't know if it was just how predictable it was or if it just felt too over the top in terms of the execution. I don't know exactly what, what it was, but there's something about that scene that doesn't necessarily hit for me. But after that scene and for the rest of the movie, the movie does come together in a really nice way. Uh, one of my favorite scenes is when Tom Holland or Peter Parker is in the the um, airship with with Happy and they do the thing where it's like, mm -hmm. okay, cool, I'm going to put together my Spider-Man suit and it's Happy like giving him the look of like, you know, being mm -hmm. proud of him because he sees Iron Man in Peter Parker and he's like, oh, I'm just going to play the music real quick and they have that whole scene. As much as that and kind of embodies a lot of what my issues are with the film, that scene hits. Like emotionally it hits. I think it hits in terms of the baton pass that they're making from Tony Stark to Peter Parker. I think they're... Um, Anthony, you mentioned like how this movie, I think you, you, you were talking about how this movie um, contains a lot of that emotional core that mm -hmm. we wanted from Ho Homecoming. I felt a lot of that in the second half of this film. But, you know, as a whole package, it doesn't necessarily stick the landing in every moment in a way that I feel like Homecoming for me stuck the landing in every moment. So this is a movie that I really like, but I don't necessarily, it's not necessarily in my best of Spider-Man movies. Okay. Carboni, go for it. Yeah, I I hear everything you're saying and you're and structurally I I think you're nailing it. This first half is a is a national lampoon like high school road trip movie. The reason I love that <laughs> is because we just didn't get enough context around Peter and who Peter is and emotions between these characters in the first one. That's why in the first one the MCU stuff to me feels intrusive i'm like this isn't a tone this is not iron man 3.5 i want to watch a spider-man movie whereas here uh i think it's given the context that we need i feel more of the friendship between peter and ned i feel more of the relationship between these high school kids and i feel like i know a bit more about who this peter is because of this and so for me I, I think that first half really hits, you know, and, and they reuse a lot of stuff in this movie that we are familiar with. Uh, you know, like when he buys that necklace, I'm like, every time Peter Parker buys a fucking necklace, mm -hmm. don't let Peter Parker buy any jewelry for anyone. You know what I mean? But it's don't a Peter a moment. Uh, a, know? Fun thing, a fun little Easter egg I want to point out is uh, he's she uh, MJ is wearing a broken piece of the necklace in the No Way Home trailer. Oh, that's uh, so that's good. Cool. Uh, but yeah, I, I love this. I love this whole thing, and I love uh, taking Spider-Man and making this fish out of water thing. But also, the reason why this works for me, even though I would initially believe that it wouldn't, is because of Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio, mm -hmm. and because of the way they presented Mysterio. Now, number one, Tim Gettys, I'm sure you're with me. Mysterio is a dumb fucking villain, and he was one of my favorites. He was I one of my favorites growing up. And I love him, and he makes no sense. The special effects guy who can make Spider-Man believe anything, and sometimes it hurts. I was like, how are they going to do this? But they used a lot of that stuff that Marvel is so good at, where number one, we know Jake Gyllenhaal was supposed to be Spider-Man at one point. That's fucking fun. Number two, 
he is so likable and so wonderful in that Michael Keaton way. And Peter's just always looking for a good dad. And the way he gives these good dad vibes, not just on the Peter level, but on the superhero level, on the way that Tony never could and on the way like none of these other characters ever tried with him is so wonderful uh, and makes Mysterio such a fucking bastard and such a good villain in this movie. Uh, and also just like, man, there's, there's something just wonderful about the presentation of Mysterio. I know I hate the Tony Stark connections, but they made Mysterio make sense. And they did it in a great way that made Mysterio play in a movie. And I was like, I don't, they did it. They made my favorite, one of my favorite villains growing up actually make sense in these movies. And that's kind of like one of the beautiful things of the MCU and some of that Marvel wizardry where it's like, made it make sense. They made it make sense. And I love this movie for that. I, I absolutely adore this one more, I think, than Homecoming. I want to jump in here, Nick, uh, just because what Carboni just said about Mysterio, you literally couldn't, I could not take the words out of your mouth and say them better myself. Like that, mm. I, Mysterio, dumb villain, one of my favorites. The the hype, the theatricality, the ridiculousness of it all. Like it was always one of my favorite things in the comics and in the, the cartoons and stuff, but it was very cartoony and comic booky. And the idea of how can you take this villain and make them work in live action is such a tall order. And this movie did it with ease. I disagree with Bless in the the sense of that the the twist scene i think it was perfectly done i love it i love how he was a good guy for so much longer of the movie than i expected him to as somebody mm -hmm. that clearly would have known what's going on but one of my favorite movie memories ever was sitting next to gia watching this movie in theaters for the first time and her being utterly shocked at this reveal because she didn't know that Mysterio is a bad guy. We all yeah. know that. But the movie does a good job of making him a good guy and lulling you into believing it. So when that twist happens, it is vulture level. Oh, shit. And I think that that is something that John Watts does really well. And I'm interested if we're going to have that moment in No Way Home. I don't know how we possibly could. But I, I think that they are two for two so far in having these moments that are taking villains that are definitely not the ones people are clamoring for. They're not the Doc Ock. They're not the Green Goblin. They are lesser known, but still very known Spider-Man villains. How do you make them cool and interesting as the actual threat in these movies? And holy crap, this movie does it so well in ways that I never would have expected. The entire kind of illusion scene to me is almost unrivaled uh in in the mcu but definitely in spider-man movies where i love how it just keeps going and going in the layers where it comes out and he's nick fury but even that's part of the illusion throwing him through the the snow globe and him having to deal with the zombie tony stark and like all this shit him himself beating himself up like oh, the old costumes and stuff it is such a quintessential spider-man moment and i think they do such a great job um and i think that mysterio and jake gyllenhaal are just so well handled and an actual threat in this movie, I think a lot of things around it kind of like are a little weird, like the Tony Stark drones around the world and the drones attacking Brad. That's where the comedy stuff for me doesn't necessarily hold up. And I think some mm -hmm. scenes are kind of kind of shoehorned in for the plot as opposed to like making sense. Yeah, like him getting dressed um, with yeah. the model or not model with the agent or whatever. Yeah. Or like, why, would, picture. why would the agent ever talk to him that way? Take off your yeah. clothes. Take off your clothes. I, I, that's I got, I got weird. 
I got thoughts when we get there. I got thoughts when we get there. But um, I, I do want to say one of the other things that's that's wonderful. And Nick Scarpino, we will get to you eventually. But I do want to say that uh, one of the things <laughs> that I love is the double fake out of the multiverse. And yeah. we'll talk more about that when like mm -hmm. when we get more there. But the fake out, not fake out, fake out of a Marvel multiverse in this movie is <laughs> just... I mean, I that context now, you know? Yeah. And so so the, the last thing I want to say about it is this is now the third time I've seen this movie. I saw it in theaters once. I saw it uh, when Gia's sister was watching MCU for the first time and we watched it with her. And now I'm watching it here. When I first watched it, I ranked it above Homecoming. And I was like, it's everything I liked about Homecoming, just more. And I, the post-credit scene is what really pushed it over the edge for me because it is one of my favorite post-credit scenes. It delivers everything I want, which is just surprising reveal on top of surprising reveal, right? J. Jonah Jameson is back. Awesome. It's J.K. Simmons. Awesome. And oh, fuck, Peter Parker, Spider-Man. What an end. What an amazing place for us to be like, what are they going to do next? Um, watching it the second time, I was a little let down. I was like, okay, I definitely like this less than Homecoming. And having more um, MCU movies, I'm like, ah, it's still high for me. But at this point, it's just probably mid-tier of the 30 movies as opposed to top tier where I had it. Watching it now, it's somewhere in the middle. I, it's higher than I had it, but not as high as I first had it. And I think a lot of that has to do with just where this fits in with what we're getting from these movies and specifically what we got in Far From Home, which was let's take Spider-Man out of New York, put him somewhere else. And that's a double-edged sword for me because I understand why they did it, it being the seventh Spider-Man live-action movie we got. But it being the second live-action MCU Spider-Man movie, mm -hmm. I really think this movie would have been even better had we gotten one more movie in between Homecoming and Infinity War where we got to deal with Aunt May knowing that he's Spider-Man and seeing how that all played out as opposed to this just kind of being like, oh, yeah, she's cool with it, and they're just going. Like, letting him kind of sit with the classmates a little bit more, maybe deal with one other villain in New York, I think would have done wonders yeah. for making this feel a little bit more earned. Because as it stands, it kind of feels like Infinity War and Endgame got in the way of a Spider-Man trilogy, whereas this kind of works really great as a kind of uh, epilogue to Far From or to Endgame, but it doesn't feel so much a Homecoming trilogy sequel. Mm -hmm. Nick Scarpino, what do you think? Um, I think I honestly, I kind of disagree with, uh, I think it was Carboni made the point of this being kind of, uh, it's unfortunate that it, it leans too far into the MCU as a, as a Spider-Man movie, because I think that really, really is the strength of, of what these Spider-Man movies are. I really enjoyed this movie. Um, and coming off of it uh, last week, I forgot where this picks up. And it picks up in a very dark place. It picks up with everyone coming back from the blip. And it picks up with with... Peter just needing a break from it all and having the expectation of being the next Iron Man put on his shoulders is a heavy place for him to be. And I love that he absconds to Europe to escape from that. And in and amongst it, just wants to be a kid on a, on a class field trip. And just maybe he has that great line where he's like, I just want to like, I just want to buy this girl a present and maybe like tell her how I feel. And hopefully she feels the same way about me. And maybe maybe kiss her like that's his goal in this and mm -hmm. I, it, it's very relatable especially you know obviously when you watch movies uh you take what you have with you into the theater and in this case in my living room we're coming off of two years of a pandemic and man could we all just use a fucking vacation at this point don't we all just want to go someplace in europe and get lost a little bit and make out with our significant others and smooch smooch a little bit and forget about having to do the job that we have to do every single day i love that feeling and i think they captured that yeah. along with 
the feeling of of the road trip of of going on vacation with these these kids and and other again last week same same as this week all of them are so likable except for brad brad we can all agree sucks uh, i, I yeah. love the reveal of brad the reveal of brad being like oh yeah he was this kid that we knew Tiny and then jacked out now. yeah we all got blipped and came back and now he's like this hot dude and we we're like all right well i guess brad's here now like he's part yeah. of the crew now tim gettys i do want to ask does midtown high's morning announcements is that part of your I hate news or is it not part of your no, I no, hate okay. news? So, so okay. what I want to be clear, I want to, to clarify my stance yeah. on news in movies. I love this. This is perfect, especially at being in a high school thing. And the way they do this, I will always love you being the Marvel Studios theme leading into mm-hmm. the in memoriam oh. with the shitty clip art. Fucking God, amazing. it's so good. It's perfect. Um, what I'm talking about, Carboni, is when a character for plot reasons mm-hmm. happens to be somewhere where news Watching. is playing. Yeah. yeah. And like on like they're at a bar and then there's just like, oh, like the villain is now doing this thing. And it's just like or like my favorites when they but walk is- by the bank of TVs and they look over and it's like they're yeah. looking for you and you're like oh no oh no yeah. like oh, it's no. it's that okay. type of thing when the reason the character's going to the next thing is because they saw the news. The one exception to my rule is the Rock in uh, Fast and Furious sure. uh, Eight when he when or he Seven busts, when he, when he looks at the thing and says Daddy's got to go to work like yeah. that is the one <laughs> exception to the fucking rule. Uh, okay. But even then, it's fucking stupid, and they should have come up well, with a better way. So, but we're we're okay with the fact that we are introduced to Brad and the fact that Brad is hot Brad now via news and like so and like and Betty Brant telling us that like oh we're all five years older now and here's what's weird and like that we're yes. cool like you're so, cool with that. So th- th- thank you for saying that. That is the difference. I'm okay when the news is updating us on information. I don't like okay. when the news is updating the protagonist with information. You like an uninformed protagonist. Yes. <laughs> I do want to give a shout out to uh, MJ in this movie real quick. Because one of the things I mentioned last week after watching Homecoming, I was like, man, isn't I feel like MJ is a little bit of a different character in Far From Home. And I take that back. I take it back. MJ is is like she's not completely the same. She has grown. But I take that more as she's become better friends with the people that's around her, not necessarily that her character's changed. And like watching this back is very, I, I, I can make the connections of like, oh no, she's still a little bit weird and a little bit awkward and a little bit like, you know, she likes watching people and, and she's still yeah. the character that will draw up char- draw people in crisis. And one of the things I forgot that I loved about this movie was her relationship with with uh, Peter Parker. Like, I think the back and forth and the whole romance aspect of this movie is actually like really cute and like really fun to watch. And I forgot how much I was rooting for Peter Parker throughout this entire movie to like, you know, like tell MJ how she felt or how he felt about her. Uh, and so, yeah, I absolutely loved what they did with that in this movie. Yeah, that's another example, though, of I think one movie in between would have done a great job. Like, I believe that he's into her. I believe all that stuff. But like yeah. last movie, he was into Liz. And now this yeah. movie from the beginning is just like, oh, I just really have a crush on MJ. It's like I would have loved to see a little bit more yeah. uh, growth with that stuff. But I totally get they couldn't do it R- real yeah. quick. Uh, Zendaya, y'all need yeah. to go check out her on the red carpet for all the different uh, press things she's been doing for uh, No Way Home. Every outfit she's wearing is inspired by one of the different villains, and it's dope as fuck. That's cool. That's awesome. She's so good. She's so good. Yeah, you're right. They um, it's entirely, it's entirely down to Tom Holland and Zendaya, like letting us know how this relationship has been filled in. And they're very good actors, and I believe it. And it happens. Mm -hmm. But you're right. We didn't. We don't know it. We just see it. Yeah, Yeah. and I chalk it up. I chalk up some of it to be like it being high school and how quickly. You know, as a high schooler, you jump from, oh, I like this girl. Oh, no, I like this girl. Right. Like that, 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 that does require, I think, a little bit of that suspension of disbelief. But 
By the time they get into it, I was like, oh, whatever, I believe it. Yeah, hey, but hey, man. I mean, that's even mirrored in, in, in Ned and Betty, right? Or it's like, yeah, yeah. so oh, funny, man. One week they go yeah. from hating each other to loving each other to like growing apart as adults. Not, <laughs> yeah, not just, not just like they have a real quick, funny relationship for comedy's sake, but I love that their relationship is like very evolved and mature the whole way through. Yeah. And yeah. like, and the joke is that it's very fast and everybody's like, this is very fast. And like, Ned and Betty are like, oh no, we're taking this very seriously and we're mm -hmm. in it right now. And I, yeah. I just, so good. This is a good film. Yeah, It is, man. And before we get to the plot, let me tell you about our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Overland. You all know that Cozy is my middle name, Tim Cozy Gettys. But there's nothing I do every day that's cozier than slipping into some Overland sheepskin slippers. Uh, I've been loving them. Greg Miller's been loving them. But especially Gia Tap Harris has been loving them. She keeps talking about them all day. All I hear is slip, slip this and slip, slip that. She's just so comfortable. I see her all the time. Overland uses expert craftsmanship to pair the highest quality merino sheepskin, which is naturally moisture wicking, temperature regulating, and antimicrobial with supportive memory foam midsoles in order to make slippers that feel better and wear better for longer if you don't want to wait another day to slip it in something way more comfortable get the best highest quality sheepskin slippers on the market at overland.com slash kind of funny you'll get free shipping and free returns and i recommend you go today because these slippers are so beloved that they've been known to sell out and slip off the shelves uh, that's overland.com slash kind of funny overland.com slash kind of funny Next up, shout out to Babbel. Learning a new language can feel intimidating. I worried about the level of difficulty, the time commitment, and you know what? You're having to hear my accent out loud. Don't like any of that. But thanks to Babbel, the number one selling language learning app, the whole process can be addictively fun, fast, and easy. Greg Miller's been using this, and it's helped him to learn to communicate with Jen and her family, which is more important than ever now that they have a new member of their family uh, joining them. So this is, this is a whole thing now. Babbel's 15-minute lessons make it the perfect way to learn a new language on the go. Other language learning apps use AI for their lesson plans, but Babbel lessons were created by over 100 language experts. Their teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective. With Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, and German. Right now, when you purchase a three-month Babbel subscription, you'll get an additional three months for free. That's six months for the price of three. Just go to Babbel.com and use code MORNING. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com com with the code morning babble language for life and finally shout out to raycon tis the season of drowning in holiday gift guides you could shop at 10 different places or you can start your shopping at raycon and get a gift everyone will use some raycon wireless earbuds raycons give you great audio quality wherever you go whether you use them to pump up wind down to work or work out and they start at half the price of other premium audio brands plus their latest model has three new sound profiles pure balance and bass mode so your audio quality is crisp whether you're listening to edm or a podcast Podcast. One of my really good friends, Vincent, I was just hanging out with him last weekend and he's been telling me he uses the Raycons to work out with and that boy's getting swole. So, hey, that's all I'm saying. The holidays are coming up faster than you think. Now is the time to knock out that gift list and avoid the last minute shipping scramble, especially because right now you guys can get 15% off site-wide with the code HOLIDAY at buyraycon.com slash kindoffunny. Go to buyraycon.com slash kindoffunny and use the code HOLIDAY to Day to get 15% off your entire Raycon order. Buy Raycon.com slash kind of funny. Nick, 
Well, actually, I do have to peace out um, oh. from this podcast, but I do want to leave you with my ranking because I know that's the thing we've been, we've been You're doing. You're right. You're right. Go Rank for it, it bless. Uh, let me pull it up here. I actually I had to write it down for this one since there's a lot of these movies now. Um, so sitting at my number one, I got Spider-Man Homecoming. Below that, number two, Spider-Man 2, Tobey Maguire. Number three, Spider-Man 1, Tobey Maguire. Number four, Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, number five is The Amazing Spider-Man. Number six is Spider-Man 3. And then number seven is The Amazing Spider-Man 2. That's my ranking. Carboni, what is yours? My ranking is Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man Far From Home. Spider-Man. Spider-Man Homecoming. The Amazing Spider-Man 2. The Amazing Spider-Man. Spider-Man 3. Wow. Here's the one, the one thing I love more than anything else is people can be mad. Be like, oh, your list is bad. Oh, yeah, you guys are crazy. Whatever. Everyone has a different fucking list for these goddamn yeah. movies. Everyone yeah. is wrong and everyone is right because that's how this works here. Am I right, Nick? You're 100% right, Tim, except thank you. Carboni's list is garbage. Uh, ladies and Bye gentlemen. Bless. See you later. Bye, guys. Bless. But you know what? But you know what, Nick, as my as as a spider boy, now that we're mm, now that we've been now that we've been on this long spider road together, you totally understand me and why that's my 100%. list. 100%. I'm, I'm joking, of course. I'm, yeah, I'm, of course. Like, you know, your list is your opinion, but everyone's is different. And that's the thing. You have different t- touchstones for these different things. And then, you know, with you and Blessing, kind of, you guys put the original trilogy way higher than I would in this stuff. But it's yeah. hard for me to look past the flaws of it and see the nostalgia and sort of the classic nature of it. Um, I just also, I'm just a sucker for the dynamic between the current, the current Spider-Man and like the mentor characters. I love all that stuff. So yeah, I think it just hits on a different. Are place. you looking, are you looking for a good dad, Nick? I'm always looking. Well, dad, <laughs> no, daddy. God damn it, Nick. Hey. Ladies and gentlemen, Spider-Man Far From Home. Tim, you take mm-hmm. care of the dude. I'll take care of the music. We start in uh, Extenco. Is that how you say it? I, Mexico. And I've never actually said yeah. the name of that town before. There you go. And a cool Audi Even your accent up. was on. Thank you. Thank you. It sounded horrible coming out. It sounded <laughs> painful coming out of my mouth, so I apologize. No, perfect. No notes. Uh, we have an Audi that pulls up and Maria, Helen, Nick Fury are in it. And man, you know what's funny? They do a great job in this movie because they're just a little off. And you're like, man, they really like the first time I watched this, I was like, God, they just really didn't care to be in this movie that much. Maybe, maybe like yeah. Nick Fury was just kind of, or, or Samuel L. Jackson and, and uh, Colby Smulders were just like phoning it in the entire time. Ooh, the joke is on me. Of course, they pull up. Real quick, though, real quick, I will say. Now, and this isn't even a criticism. It's kind of just like a good for you, MCU. Oh, what a weird call to have <laughs> scrolls be in Spider-Man Homecoming or Far From Home, like in a Spider-Man series. Like it's just is such a like, yo, we're we're making a universe here and we're we're gonna go for it. I just would have never expected it. Like yeah. what I want to start doing one day is I want to start a podcast where we just start theorizing about future MCU movies, and I want to have a conversation about who do we like. What cameos will we get? What will the post credits be teasing? All that stuff. And what's going to be the one what the fuck surprise no one saw coming? It would definitely be scrolls in this movie. Yeah. But I think I think that's sort of the thing, though, that we that we saw with Homecoming is, wow, they really are using maybe the popularity and the fact that even if you're not an MCU fan, maybe it's just Spider-Man is so worldwide recognizable that using spider-man as this sort of like bridge material for the mcu is kind of brilliant and and you're right nick they colby smulders in particular colby smulders in particular Mm -hmm. in this film 
crushes it because Maria's just a little more uh, pissed off. Pissed off. Like Maria's always businessy, but she's right. just a little more pissed off. And you're like, maybe it's maybe it's just the blip in the five years or whatever. Yeah. But she she would have shown. I remember watching this movie for the first time and being Maria Hill would show a little more sympathy towards Peter Parker, the teenager who has to right. deal with this. This is interesting. Uh, of course, the entire town has been destroyed. Who should we see enter but Mysterio? And he says, you don't want any part of this as Great a big uh, earth elemental pops up and he sh shoots some green line at it and we cut. Now, Tim, mm. <laughs> you're too young to understand the significance of this song. So I, gonna, I honestly, gonna, I am in context. I'm going to lay it out for you right now. Okay. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you, okay. baby boy. Go ahead. There was a hit movie yeah. called the bodyguard starring Whitney Houston and Kevin Costner. Yeah. And at the end of it, it is, you know, he's the bodyguard for her. She's this like Whitney Houston levels, a star in the movie who's being a, uh, has a stalker and he's got to figure out he's your bodyguard. They of course fall in love because they're two of the hottest human beings on this planet. But at the end of it, he has to leave her because he has to go on to be someone else's bodyguard. He's, he's done being her bodyguard, but they don't, but they love each other. And she mm -hmm. takes off in her private jet as they think they're never going to see each other again. As this song kicks off, and the jet starts going and he's watching his arms in a sling because he's been shot, but he saved her life and his job's done and he's moving on to the next one. But he doesn't want her to leave, but he can't vocalize that because he is the bodyguard and he has to be professional. And of course, right as and I, yeah, the, the plane just stops and the run the, the, the ladder drops and she runs to him and she just kisses him and the camera just revolves around them. And it is the best moment ever put on cinema. Last week I said, is there a better ending than the matrix one? And I, I am beside myself. I forgot about the ending of the bodyguard. <laughs> now, and what's, and then Dennis Hopper comes and he's got an eye patch and they're all on jet skis. Am I thinking mm. of the right one? Uh, yes. That is actually the sequel to the bodyguard called water world where Kevin Costner's character grows guilt. Water, anyway. water guard. I don't know. <laughs> life I love it. I love it. Uh, but before we, get... we move on, real quick, just the uh, Mysterio entrance, I think is fantastic. It is such mm -hmm. a great way to introduce the character. And like again, now we've seen this movie, and before we saw the movie, we just saw the trailers, and the trailers kind of left us being a little confused about what's going on. But it wasn't until we watched the movie that we realized they're trying to play Mysterio as a good guy. Yeah. And I think that that was a very cool call, and I think they they set it up really well. His theme is fucking awesome, and just really good job across the board with this stuff. Can I can I ask you a question, guys? Now mm -hmm. we we um I remember watching this trailer and I remember I was sitting I was sitting at the office. Um uh we were it was a it was a it was a shoot day for Star Wars show and we were all sitting and we watched the trailer together and I remember leaning back and being like a water guy, a fire guy. Okay, so that's all Mysterio. This is all Mysterio, obviously. And everybody was freaking out about multiverse. And I was like, he's not from another universe. That's Mysterio. He's lying. And that's what I'm talking about with the multi-stage fake out of a Marvel multiverse. When you first saw this trailer, did you believe this was introducing the multiverse to, the, to Marvel in any was, way? Well, I think it was introducing the idea of a multiverse, mm -hmm. but not the actual multiverse, which is why I give it credit. Again, yeah, uh, technically, yeah. it was Doctor Strange. Fair yeah. enough. 
fair enough but but i yes, but yes. the idea of it i think is i think it's cool because because obviously peter's like wait a minute you're saying there's multiverse i love that whole back and forth and i think it's just kind of prepping the audience for what's yeah. to come for sure in, yes. in close-up magic they call that priming you're priming your audience to give you the answer oh, that you want i love you so much forks. you're both <laughs> forks. if anyway, we mention we can... a multiverse now in three movies we can introduce it and people will be like multiverse mm. like the prestige we get a great whoever picked the font for this nailed it right it's comic stars, sans it's comic mm. sans it's in memoriam it's all lowercase and we get this great uh in memoriam video with all the people we've lost including tony uh captain america black widow and vision who we can't forget we lost in this as well um and betty catches everyone else up on on all the events that happened after andrew game end game everyone came back uh that was blipped they're the same age so betty jason peter ned they're all still in high school it's kind of coincidental that all of them get to be in high school again together but whatever i don't care and then jason freaks out is like does anyone have a plan and we cut over to peter who has a plan but it's not the plan to save the world of course it's a plan to tell mj how he feels about her here's how it's gonna go he's gonna sit next to her on a plane and he got a shared headphone jack and i'm not gonna lie tim the power mm -hmm. of the shared headphone jack mm -hmm. is not to be uh, discounted, okay? That is a very, very powerful thing that could bring you close together. I, the first flight I went out with my wife was like, I got a shared headphone jack, and she said, no, thank you. Yeah, uh, course, make you work for it. You know, like, I don't watch that. I don't watch that garbage movie. You watch your own movie. I'm gonna sleep here. Uh, and then I was like, "Wait, you're gonna sleep?" But you're in the aisle. And she's like, "I don't care." Power move. Let me tell you something. Power you're move. on a you're on a plane, or even you're on a subway with a friend, like with a friend after last call, and you you know you're riding home on that train home, and you're sharing it, and you're like tired, and you're falling asleep, and you're please. The shared headphone jack is amazing, but mm -hmm. this is also a very teenage plan. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, he wants to go and he wants to, when, when they're in Italy, they're all about the glass and Venice is going to buy her a black Dahlia uh, necklace. And, and then when Ned goes, why? He goes, because she likes the murders. Uh, and then uh, he's going to tell her so how he feels. so on brand for her character. It is. So, so Who the good. fuck is talking? And then MJ, <laughs> MJ comes G up. Gia, uh, Gia Harris, <laughs> her last dog she had before Moose uh, was a black lab and she got to name it and she named it Black Dahlia mm -hmm. because of the murders. Uh, I had I crazy I had a partner where we had two leopard geckos. One was Charles Manson, and one was Jeffrey Dahmer. And Charles Manson <laughs> ate Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah, and I was like, amazing. "Whoa, that's justice!" What a um, reversal. That's crazy. I, I want to point out they are showing us that Peter Parker is thoughtful because mm -hmm. Peter Parker in five fucking movies before Tom Holland didn't really think much about why he was getting a ring for somebody or why he was going to date the, especially Toby Maguire. Tobes didn't think about anything. Tobes oh. was just like, I need to be there because woman who is object is there. Well, it's mm -hmm. also, it's also totally adorable because obviously like he could just tell her how he feels, but he feels he needs to go through all these things because he's insecure about it and he's putting it's, it off for as long as he will. And he's 16 and it's got to be the perfect yeah. moment because everything is a big deal. Perfect moment, right? Exactly. All you, yeah. Uh, of course, MJ comes up and totally they uh, ruins the moment for them or actually just derails them. Um, and Ned says, hey, it doesn't matter. We cut over to Aunt May giving a speech at a chariot event for all the people who ha had been displaced by the blip. Uh, she has a banger of a story here where she's like, I came back in my old apartment and uh, the old the old man thought I was a ghost. And the old woman thought I was his mistress or something like that. So uh, good. And I love that Peter's just there in the Iron Man suit. And I'll Hello, with, awkward. I'll disagree with Tim a little bit on this where it's like, you know, I just I love that they're like, 
we're not going to waste time having drama that doesn't need to be there. Aunt May's over it. All the shit yeah. happened. Peter, Peter, you know, has helped them come back and beat Thanos. He's fine. He's Spider-Man. He's going to be okay. But she's also like, to Aunt May's credit, she's making the best of this, right? She's doing the rounds. So she's going a little bit of a celebrity here. Uh, yeah. Which I like. But what's I cool like here it. too, a fun note is like she's at Feast, which is um, yes. a, a place that is heavily featured in the Spider-Man 2018 video game. And we see a little bit of it in the upcoming movie as well. Um, I also want to say that I love that uh, Spider-Man has no stage presence. Yeah. Which hilarious. is so hilarious. Which, which May calls him out on. She's like, do you think I was yeah. a little stiff? He's like a little stiff, I think. She's like, no, you weren't stiff. She goes, hey, you were a little. You were a little. So he's like, yeah, yeah, I felt that. Yeah, I, I felt, felt it too. <laughs> Love it. It's so, so uh, good. Their relationship, again, just fucking killer. Uh, and then, of course, Happy comes in with one of those comic big checks uh, from uh, Pepper, who couldn't be there, unfortunately, but she wants to donate to the cause. And then he kind of like... Uh, flirts a little bit with uh with aunt may and peter uh when aunt may's like okay i gotta go back on stage peter turns around to him and says what just happened there <laughs> and it's dude hilarious. the the happy and may thing is so good and it sets i mean there are a couple things that set a tone right like end game sets the tone for like peter survived something and he and happy survived something together and they have this shared loss whereas like in the first movie you're almost like fucking ease up happy he's fucking 16 years old you know totally uh, and so between the end game stuff and the aunt may stuff it's just love it john favreau also just plays a sweetheart so wonderfully mm -hmm. that it's nice to watch him play a sweetheart you know a and so i love this here. relationship yeah, where he goes, where he's, he deflects completely by saying that Nick Fury is going to call him. And then, of course, Peter doesn't want to talk to Nick Fury, but his phone starts ringing and he says, answer the phone. And Peter says, why don't you answer the phone? And happy under his breath goes, because I'm scared. And it's a really, really banger of a delivery by John Favreau. And Amazing. Character. Yeah. Uh, Peter, of course, tells him, he's like, listen, I'll answer. I will answer as soon as I can. And then as he leaves, of course, he whispers to himself, after I come back from my trip, I'll answer. Because all he wants to do is go on this dang trip. Then he heads out to be interviewed uh, and immediately gets super overwhelmed because everyone puts the expectations on his shoulders that he is the new Tony Stark and the leader of the Avengers, and he is not ready for that yet. So he Now, this is where, after, after during the first movie, when I was like, too much Tony Stark. I don't like this. This is where I'm like, they're paying this off. They're paying off this thing that I didn't really like and they're paying it off really well and they're making it work for the character and it really makes me 180 about this whole thing and, and it's interesting because there's like there's clearly a void left in peter right he doesn't tony stark meant something to him and now he can't he doesn't know how to fill it and he doesn't know if he's supposed to be the one that's supposed to step up or not um but he is like at this point he's not stepping up he's dodging all of nick fury's calls who keeps calling him but you know what he doesn't dodge carboni and he's flying banana and man God. I'll tell you what, you want to talk about them nailing the dynamic between these two. I love that Marissa Tomei can skate the line between uh, like the, his aunt and someone who's kind of messing with him a little bit. Because she yeah. goes, I thought you were supposed to have that thing that would let you know when something's coming. What, what do we call it? The Peter Tingle? The Peter Tingle. The running gag of the Peter Tingle <laughs> the Peter is Tingle so good. And you're, and you're right. Like We saw this in the first movie a little bit, but this is... Now that there are no secrets between them, this is even better. She's the cool aunt. She wasn't supposed to be his parents, so mm -hmm. she does still want to be his friend. And this is just, their dynamic is so good. You, you remember, hey, Tim, you remember in Ultimate Spider-Man when, like, May finds out, and for a little while it's just, like, shit is cool. And you're like, why couldn't it always be like this? Yeah. 
And the MCU gives us that. It's like, no, it's always going to be like this. They're cool. It's chill. Tim, what's your take on the Peter Tingle? <laughs> on the what? The Peter Tingle. Oh, it's 10 out of 10. Are you kidding me? This is the best thing ever, right? Yeah. Wait, was there contention to that? No, no, no. no. I just wanted to hear your Oh, okay, you good. No, no. Right oh, my I, God. No, I love it. Right I, as I said, Peter oh, Tingle. Oh, man, no. It, it's so great. I mean, like, that is such a fun play on viewer expectations. Like, we all know what we're getting going into this. Again, seventh movie in the Spider-Man live-action franchise, whatever you want to call that. And this is this is fun. We know what the Spider-Sense is, but, like, this is a fun twist on it that you'd expect from this iteration of that May. And especially uh, because it's it's a power that, like, Every time it comes up in other movies or sometimes like an animated series and stuff or even the video games, you're just like, explain to me what a spider sense is, because this is crazy. Sometimes yeah. it does this. Sometimes it does this. But in this movie, as a literal metaphor for just trusting yourself. Mm -hmm fuck they pull off spider sense right. yeah they they do and this is one of those things that happens rarely for me in movies but i feel like the last couple spider-man movies have had some moment where i'm not sure if i love how they did it or if i hate how they did it but the the spider sense in this the way that they obviously set it up here and then later we get him kind of like pushing through mm -hmm. i don't know if i think that they did a great job or if it's just like i wish they kind of handled it better I think, it's I somewhere think in between I think the actual effect is serviceable, um, but I do love that there that again they they kind of slide this in as a joke, the Peter Tingle, right? But what this is is actually a really smart way to set up the fact that this is going to be the big payoff of him believing in himself and and trusting his spider sense in the end. And I just that's what I love about this team that put this together. It's like you're getting yeah. comedy, you're getting these these moments that you don't you just kind of rush by because they're hilarious and they're delivered by freaking Mar Marissa Tomei, who's in infinitely likable. But then it has a very big emotional payoff at the end, which is nice. Mm -hmm. And and so I love it. And I think that the scene of him, like with the drones, where he really is running towards Mysterio and he's like, I fucking got this. I feel like just we never got a moment in the middle of the movie that showed his uh spider sense not working. Like, you could argue that the whole Mysterio illusion scene was that, but they didn't drive home the spider sense element enough for me to be like, okay, this is the, the through line for it. Yeah, Maybe they could have done something with the, yeah. the bus scene or something. I, again, I, I'm just, I'm nitpicking here, but I just think storyline-wise, right. it feels like something's missing. No, they didn't, you're, you're right. They didn't really, like, hang a, hang a lantern on it, but I, I think we were supposed to, we were supposed to get the idea that if Peter had been trusting himself and his spider sense from go, he would have been like, that's not one giant fire guy. That's 400 right. things coming at me. Mm -hmm. I can feel it. Yeah. Um, but you're right. Calling it out in some way in the middle, because it, it only comes back in the third act with happy one reminder, I think would have made it hit just like a little bit harder. You're right. Right. Uh, Peter, of course, decides not to take a suit with him as he boards the plane. He decides to leave that that and the nano suit at home. Don't take the laptop with you, Nick. It's a vacation. Absolutely. Don't I do it, Nick. Do. Don't take the laptop. I always do. Though. I love I like watching Netflix on it. Uh, Brad, of course, now is super hot. And uh, JB Smoove is in this. And you know what, guys? <laughs> uh, say what you will about adding new characters to this. I love JB's move. I love now, him from Curb Your Enthusiasm. I love him in this movie. Do He's we so believe? That this was supposed to be Hannibal Buress at one point. Maybe. And I think it would have maybe, I mean, I think it would have worked all the same because he's just in there for a little bit. Of yeah. Do we think, yeah. do we think that this would have been, because like, I'm just thinking about this, like kind of like comedic, like, holy shit, what's going on here type. I'm just like, maybe that was supposed to be Hannibal because we saw Hannibal and I wonder what happened. I don't know. I don't know. Theories. Maybe. I don't know. 
Um, of course, the one note hard. I have about this is there's nothing funnier than a teacher just trying to keep it together. <laughs> and like oh this movie does such a great job, and so did the last one. But like they really nailed the high school experience uh, in, in movie form. But that includes teachers, and both these teachers just kind of trying is so funny. They give Martin Starr three lines, and those three lines are all just like, "Oh, buddy, your life is spinning out yeah. of control." Dude, the Martin Starr ex ex wife thing, where she talks about it's we're coming up. We'll just get yeah. It, it happens to you on the plane, yeah, but I do to... like uh, I do like Flash. Oh, as we see Flash in first class because his parents <laughs> upgraded him, or his yeah. parents probably didn't. He probably did it himself, and they right. didn't notice. But I love MJ. It's such an MJ thing of being like. And I love that this is a legal precedent in the Marvel universe. Right. Um, ma'am, he blipped. He's not 21. He's 16. Yeah. What? Is that how they handle that in the MCU? It's so funny. Yeah. So goddamn funny. Uh, of course, uh, Ned tries to help Peter switch seats so he can sit next to MJ, but it backfires on him. Ned ends up getting sat next to Betty. Uh, Brad gets sat next to MJ. And Peter ends up sitting next to Martin Starr, whose wife pretended to blip out. Uh, he's like, we had a fake funeral for her and everything. Well, I guess it was a real <laughs> funeral for her, but she wasn't there. It was, what a sad, sad thing. But what a also sad hilarious. man. I and love guess, it. Guess what? Guess who remembered to bring his dual headphone adapter, Carboni? Brad. Brad did. Brad Brad's. and MJ, by the way, actually date in the comics after Peter and MJ break up in college. So throwing Brad in as a deep Marvel comics reference really threw me off the first time I saw this movie because I was like, oh, no, MJ's going to date Brad for two movies. <laughs> nope. Because it, and I was like, wow. So they're, they're very smart about they're, this They're shit, smart. Man. They're fucking smart, man. They know, uh, of course, they know what we know. We end up watching on the plane a documentary about Iron Man and the whole and all that stuff. And I always thought, I, I said this last time we watched this, but I'm like, I love that they that they have that meta documentary in this world. Well, and the Wakanda so one too. Finding Wakanda, the the snap, the the Iron Heart, or the Iron Man, the heart of iron, or yeah. whatever the hell. Like, I love that there's like multiple things that all we all want to see. Uh, of course, there's some turbulence that happens, which makes Ned and Be Ned and Betty immediately fall in love, and that is just perfect. Uh, Peter spends too much time in the bathroom and almost makes out with Brad instead of MJ, and we arrive in Venice, Italy. <laughs> And Ned and Betty Thank are in you, love, Nick. and now Thank boyfriend you. and girlfriend. I'm not letting you just roll past that. No, Thank you. Thank you for phrasing it that way. He comes out hot, man. He's like, "What's <laughs> up?" And then Brad's like, "What's up?" And he's like, "Oh no, you brought your dual headphone also." <laughs> Here we uh, go. If you if you're on a plane and somebody else is on a plane and you both hold up a dual headphone adapter, that means meet me in the bathroom. Yeah. Oh my god, that's yes. what that means. What happens if a third person holds it up? Shit. Buddy, you better hope they have a bigger bathroom than usual. <laughs> We're all dual headphone jacking. Uh, Peter gets his bag. And by the way, I glossed over this, though. When he first packs it, it has the initials BFP on it. And I don't know the significance of that. Is that his father's bag? Ben. Ben Parker. Oh, it's Uncle, Uncle Ben. Okay. That makes sense. Uncle Ben, yeah. Uh, and I will say uh, there is a uh, extended deleted scene that is a full-on action scene that you guys could watch on YouTube. And it's on all the – I think it might be – oh, it's not on Disney+. Plus, But um, it's, it's easily accessible that takes place before the Aunt May speech at Feast mm. that is Spider-Man in the Iron Spider suit stopping a bank robbery. And it's fucking awesome. It's like a five minute straight up fight scene. Oh, and it's cool. really cool. And they were like, they wanted to have an action scene earlier in the movie. Uh, but then pacing wise, they're like, ah, we don't need it. So yeah. I love that they are that 
I love that they are confident enough at at Marvel to not just previs, but co- complete an entire bank robbery action sequence with the Iron Spider suit that they spent more money on that five minutes than I'll have for every production I work on in my life. And they were just like, doesn't work, cut it. Cut it. <laughs> I love it. They should sell it as an NFT. Uh, of course, <laughs> Peter gets his bag and he goes through customs. And guess what? Aunt May was like, you don't want to forget that she packed his suit for him. And the customs agent just looks at it and grabs the banana. is like, you can't bring this in. I love it. I love the so, end bag. I love this because I love the idea of not everybody knows who Peter is. Everybody's still talking about Iron Man, right? And like the big, like the big Avengers that everybody knows. And so I love this sort of mix of like culturally people, like they just don't care in Europe who Spider-Man is maybe, or like maybe there's just I, cosplay. I just maybe. assumed it was like it's cosplay. Like why would, yeah. he, why would this guy be so stupid as the, as the path yeah. is? authentic yeah. spider-man costume in here and at this point spider-man is like everyone knows who he is so that's really great uh, and i love the payoff for that too with the the night monkey which we're getting to mm-hmm. I, I just put a note here though is I, I just love the music they chose every time they arrive in these new cities it's great i have no context for any of them but the songs just seem to work for me so if yeah. you know these songs leave a comment in the comments below which let me know which ones are your favorites or which ones are the ones i need to listen to i've got my little espresso and i'm whipping around town in my fiat uh they check into their hotel and uh let's see the best that can be said about this place is that it's sinking and there's a lot of cats uh, i love the art direction the art direction in these in these spider-man i mean in all mcu stuff but the art direction in the spider-man john watts movies is really good. I really love it when an art director is good at clutter. And they walk mm. into this hotel and I'm just and this, into this hostel and I'm just like, this is a real place. And I just, I just like it. I just like it. I love it. Uh, shout out to Claude Perret, who is the uh, production designer here who has worked on a million different things, including like the Dark Phoenix movie uh, and the It one and two. So like, if you like the way it looks, Claude Perret did that too. Mm. It's just very good. That's all. Cool. Uh, of course, Flash is live streaming like all of us would do. And Flash Mob, baby, Flash, Flash Mob. And that Nick, did you, I mean, Tim, did you enjoy that branding? The second that oh. happened, I said Tim's going to enjoy that branding, dude. It's- so much, and the fact that it has payoff plot wise, I think is just it's brilliant, man. Like this is the Spider Man movies at their best, dude. I tell you what, though, Flash Mob is so perfect and so douchey that you literally want to give this dude like a dick slap. And somebody <laughs> does. They come by and they just slap it right in the dick. And I know it's inappropriate, but I fucking laugh at that part. Because that's what you want to do to people sometimes. But anyway. I just I just love that it's the bully, too. I, I think it's such a good take on Flash. Like, I, I love what they're doing with this yeah. MCUification. There's a pecking uh, order. He can, he can bully Peter, but anybody else can bully him. Yes. Uh, Peter, of course, goes out and buys the Fior de Nero or the Black Dahlia, as we would call it, for MJ. And she catches him and he tells him, uh, she tells him this word, Bo which is her new superpower. And I studied Italian for three years in college. Never once heard this word. Uh, I also got C's when I did it. So it's possible. I just wasn't paying attention. Yeah. They uh, said it. They said it at the restaurant that I worked at. So I, I knew it when she said, yeah, but it's slang, I think. Yeah. I think it's like Venetian slang or something like that. I've never, um, I, I want to say Martin Starr. This is his second moment. And he drops like this teacher whose wife pretended to blip on him, buys himself a $7,000 Leica and just drops, just drops it in it. the water. I'm yep. just like, yes. 
There it is. Uh, Peter spots the water, of course, doing some weird shit. And a moment later, the whole canal erupts into a water elemental and starts messing everything up. We got our first action scene here. Uh, of course, Peter left the suit at the hotel, so he has to strap on one of those like carnival masks uh, that the Venetians wear. Venetian masks. So fun. Carnival. That's a different. That's a different country. And if uh, I luckily, was a Sony, if I was a Sony executive, Nick Scarpino, if I was at Sony Motion Pictures, I would say to myself, "Look at that Tom Holland running on those roofs in Venice." You know what? That's Nate Drake. Nate Drake, baby. Uncharted <laughs> in theaters, February 2022. That's Nate Drake. I thought you were going to say they made a toy out of him in the in the Venetian mask. I'd have been like, oh, I, I wish they sell. did. I, I wish they did. Hot toys. Uh, I like that uh, Mysterio's powers. Number one, Mysterio immediately trusts Peter. And we don't know why when we first watch this, but we love it because nobody ever immediately trusts Peter. And number two, I like that Mysterio's powers visually mimic magic users in the mcu so you mm -hmm. if you don't know who mysterio is and even if you do know who mysterio is you're like maybe you got a little bit of magic now mm -hmm. yeah he has like the sort of symbols except his instead of circles his are yeah. like uh, triangle triangles like that, which is cool uh you're forgetting carboni that he trusts him because he says who are you and peter says i can help i'm really strong and sticky and sticky <laughs> such a good great. line uh, i like the sequence i think it's really really cool and of course they have to drag it over to uh, the non-water part of venice which is few and far between so that uh mysterio can blow it apart a um, couple a couple things i want to point out here that i really appreciate on my third watch now the spider-man web-slinging choreography is so fucking good in this yes. movie and i feel like it just kind of we turn our brains off and are just like oh there's an action scene so Things are happening but if you really just go back and watch the way he's slinging through the alleyways and stuff of um, this location it's fucking brilliant like it's so damn good seeing the way that he uses things to propel himself like there is such a great momentum to it that we want to see from spider-man and i'm very impressed with what they do here and the other thing is the uh water monster that we get here the score that's playing is mysterio's theme but like slowed down a bit so it's not like immediately identifiable but like if you know his theme which i do know now because i've seen the movie three times it's like oh shit it's clearly mysterio yeah uh i also i also just want to say how did they make mysterio look cool in real life they the fucking first time did I saw, it though the first time i saw that costume i was just like oh you how did you pull this his costume fucks man like mm -hmm. that costume that's good costume and he should be the dumbest looking thing and he's not and i love mysterio and i've always loved mysterio and this makes me so happy uh back at the hotel of course everyone theorizes on who that man was and what's happening peter calls aunt may who's hanging out with happy and may delights in making him uncomfortable because he's like what's going on there and, and may just loves every part of this uh love uh, let's see they talk about who this guy is and they end up calling him mysterio because the uh the italians call him el uomo de mistero which means a mystery man, and they're just they're dumb kids. They hear Mysterio, so that's what he's called from now on. Uh, and I love that Flash constantly coming to Spider-Man, uh, loves Spider-Man. He says, he, he's like, what's not to like about Spider-Man? He protects the neighborhood, and he's inspiring. He inspires me to be a better man. And then he looks over at Peter and says, what's up, dickwad? I thought you'd drowned. Uh, I do want to say that so this, news, this newscast, or not the newscast, but the chatter, I believe, that Ned, that Ned talks about, Morris Bench, this is another thing where they're trying to fake us out. Morris Bench is Hydro Man. When they say we heard it was some sort of sailor who like got powers or something, and they say his name is Morris Bench, I was like, oh, so maybe it's not Mysteria? 
wait, that's Hydro Man. What are they trying to pull right now? And you know, another point there, Carboni, it's like the opening scene in Mexico. It's like it looks very much like Sandman. Sandman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like they they were trying to play with us. It's fun. Uh, of course, Peter and Ned head back to their room and Ned immediately gets darted because you can't keep dodging Nick Fury's calls for long. Nick Fury's there to meet him. and He's not happy that a high school kid is dodging his calls. He tells him about the cyclone in Mexico and a similar event in another village. People keep knocking on the door in the scene and it's kind of hilarious. Uh, there's Betty, there's Martin Starr. So they head out to the uh, canal to chat. Uh, and then Nick gives Peter a pair of Tony's glasses that Tony left for him. He says, heavy as the head that wears the crown and Stark said, you wouldn't get that because it's not a star Wars reference, which it. is hilarious. And of course, these are the sunglasses that are just those God awful ones that Andy keeps bringing. And thank God he's not here. Can I say it? Can I just <laughs> say oh, it? I, no hope part, he comes. I hope he comes. This is his, this is his movie with his glasses. And I mm-hmm. hope he, I hope he gets to join us. Always uh, doing that air of an impression. I do like that. You can tell regardless, regardless of the scrawl, like uh, reveal, I do love that you can tell that Nick Fury is mad that he doesn't get the glasses. He doesn't say it in this theme, in this scene, but I like that Samuel L. Jackson was like, I don't care if I'm a fake Nick Fury. Mm-hmm. Nick Fury would be mad he doesn't have these glasses. Yeah. I'm just going to play little, it like Nick Fury. Well, Another he, thing, he's just bitter across the board that he has to engage with this teenage kid. Yeah, yeah. totally. Uh, another thing I want to bring up, I, I, I think it's later that we get this and we get it throughout the movie but they introduce the kind of like more like it looks like nick fury's bodyguard type character but definitely like the driver guy that ends up dimitri and dimitri of course carboni is not in the comics body driver no in the oh he's the chameleon the chameleon Yeah. yeah so it's like that's an interesting thing for me where going into this movie we knew the casting that someone named dimitri was cast and nick the chameleon is named dimitri so it was like we all were like oh there's, there's probably going to be something going on mm-hmm. where Nick Fury's acted weird because it's actually mm-hmm. the chameleon, but that ended up being scrolls. So there's like mm-hmm. a lot of shit that like they, they were playing with our knowledge of Spider-Man villains and like Smartly. totally turning it on its yeah. head. And let me just tell you something, Nick, the chameleon murdered two spies. Do you know who those super secret spies were, Nick? Uh, Peter's mother and father. That's right, Richard and Mary Parker. Right, perfect. Hey, thank God that's not in this movie. Uh, <laughs> uh, they head down to a cool. Are they shield or sword at this point? Shield, shield, shield. Okay, shield. So shield. Uh, they head into a cool shield base, base underneath the canals, uh, which houses uh, Maria Hill, Dimitri, and Mysterio, whose real name is Quentin Beck. And he introduces the fact that he's like, "I'm not from your uh, universe, your multiverse. I'm from a different multiverse. I'm from Earth." 833 i want to say and you guys are earth 616 which tim do you want to tell us the significance of earth 616 well that's the comic universe which i simultaneously hate and love i hate it because it's like this isn't the fucking 616 616 is the comic universe you have to be something different but i love because it's a fucking lie so all this is made up bullshit anyways yeah uh if you get a chance just watch the blooper reel of nothing but jake gyllenhaal and tom holland trying to do this respectful handshake. It is so Gold. hilarious. They can't. They both keep breaking. They both think it's ridiculous. It's silly as hell. And like they just keep moving in to do it. And one of them breaks every time. They apparently tried to shoot this handshake for like 45 minutes. I love that. Well, I, I don't know if you guys read that article that 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 went around that was just a nice little anecdote that Jake Gyllenhaal said about Tom Holland when he first started doing this movie. He was like, I was really, really nervous. And he turned to Tom, who was like, to, to, for help. And Tom was like super cool with him and helped him get through these the first few scenes that he was in. And then, of course, it's Jake Gyllenhaal. You like, 
ended up being totally fine because he's a phenomenal actor. But he was like, I didn't expect to be that nervous, but joining such a big production like this was daunting. And so yeah. it's cool that we got along very well. Uh, something I want to say that is a note I wrote down around this part of the movie, like during this whole multiverse speech thing with uh, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Tom, is more than anything, my dream project would be a highest budget we've ever seen Disney Plus series that is just this Spider-Man uh, dealing with stuff. Because it would just be so good. We just are so invested and care about so many elements where it's the Spider-Man side, the Peter Parker side, the high school mm-hmm. side, the the relationships with his family, like all of it. Like there's so much to get into making these Spider-Man villains that have multiple sides where we're sympathetic to them in some way, shape or form for whatever reason. Like there's just so much there. That would really be my personal 10 out of 10 dream project that we we'll are, never we actually are, get <laughs> yeah we are getting that animated series that's we are to tell a little bit more of this backstory and i think that's kind of interesting but you're right i wish i just wish we had more time with this peter yeah uh of course beck tells them all about the multiverse and how he fought these elementals but they destroyed his earth so he's made he's here to make sure they don't destroy ours uh, the elementals fire. nick are elementals. real comic characters as well mm-hmm People this is all they're just they have eight they have fake out upon fake out upon fake out here they just, uh, and i don't even think they're trying to fake us out anymore at this point at this point in the movie is when i realized they're just trying to make me frustrated yeah they're just, <laughs> they're just, yeah. They're just uh, like oh i know you know what this is fucking nerd what happens when we say this do you it's like it's like when i pretend to throw a ball to my dog that's what they're doing. This whole movie is me pretending to oh throw God. a little tennis ball to my dog. And I'm like, oh, it's the chameleon? No, it's not the chameleon. Is the elemental? No, it's not the element. Is it multiverse? Oh, okay. okay. Can you imagine if they just played this out and this movie ended and Mysterio was still a good guy? Oh, my God. And we got like two movies of Mysterio just like Fucking fighting alongside things? heroes. Oh, shit. Anyway, that's not the movie we got. Nick, continue. That is not. Of course, the uh, fire elemental is the last they have to deal with, but it's also the hardest. It's the one that destroyed his world, and it's going to show back up in Prague. Uh, Peter tells them, listen, I would love to help, but I'm just a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, to which Nick responds, bitch, please. You've been to space. So good. So good. But, of course, Peter still declines because he's on vacation, and he's like, well, I'm not going to Prague. And the next day, Martin Starr comes out and tells everyone, guess what? We're going to Prague. The tour company upgraded us. And uh, he, says, and he tells uh, Ned, I think Nick Fury just hijacked our summer vacation. Uh, they get a dope-ass bus with Dimitri as the driver, and off we go to Austria, I believe is the next spot. Uh, maybe it was Prague to go first. I put Austria in here. I'm not sure why. And we're going to listen to the soundtrack every single day I drive around because this song is great. Uh, Peter looks at the top 10 most romantic places in Prague and then puts on Tony's glasses, which came with a little note to the next Tony Stark. I trust you. Say Edith. And he puts it on the retinal and biometric scan accepts Edith is Tony's security system, which grants Peter access to all of Tony's protocols. Uh, and it is, of course, an acronym because Tony would be remiss if he didn't have an acronym that stands for even Carboni. dead. I'm, I'm the, the hero. hero. Oh, if this doesn't make me actually laugh out loud every time I hear it, it is just such a heartwarming, perfect Tony darkest smug ass motherfucker. It's perfect. I love it. Yeah, Uh, Yeah. I love I do love that. This is the first AI that they just sort of like they just sort of like pulled from somewhere. She's like she was like an assistant editor on the MCU and they just really liked her voice. Really, an assistant editor on like a few movies. And so they were just like, hey, get it. Yeah. Her name is Dawn Michelle King. And they were just like. Don, you sound really good for this. Come on in. You're Edith. They just kept oh, it. Cool. 
It's weird that they totally did away with, away with Karen, though, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of strange. Karen, even when he puts the suit on later, Karen's not there. Like, I think Karen. it's because we don't want we don't want this Spider-Man to already have a relationship with this network because then he maybe wouldn't have given it away Makes as easily. You know, like, you know, that's Karen wrong. That's a really interesting point. So we know that Karen is in the blue and red Civil War slash Homecoming uh, movies, right? But then yeah. going into Infinity War, almost immediately he's not in that suit anymore. Right. He's in I think, the Iron I think Spider. When Tony gives him the new version of his original suit at the end of Homecoming, I think we're supposed to believe that like he has removed the connection to stark tech like it's still stark tech but it's not networked in anymore like you want to be your own guy here's a suit that makes you your own guy so maybe it doesn't have a karen ai inside of it because uh, he does activate instant kill in endgame he this is does. an interesting thing that i get that they're just writing it out and whatever but but hmm. he activates it but he activates it in this like tony stark spacesuit spacesuit you know what i mean so maybe because at that point it's a new suit from tony it does anything that like where he's working with Tony is maybe networked in. And I think the suit that he gives Peter just to be Peter in his neighborhood maybe doesn't. That's the way I've always kind of like rationalized the same suit. in my head. But yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's an interesting. I feel like they're just like it's a, it serves the plot or it doesn't serve the yeah, plot. But, but that I, is that is something I haven't thought about before that I do think is kind of an issue. I have, thought about, I have thought about it a lot because, you know, I don't like it when he has an AI in his suit. Um, so for me, I'm, I'm kind of like, oh, okay, you've removed that. Good, good, good. Uh, but in this, I think, I think the whole reason it's something new is number one, those glasses belonged to Tony. So it wouldn't be Karen, mm -hmm. uh, because Karen was named by Peter and was Peter's AI that he was given. So I think, uh, I think this is an AI for Tony and for that, like defense network. You yeah, know? totally. Right on. Thanks for vamping, guys. I'm back from the bathroom. We vamped, okay. baby. <laughs> Let me tell you something, Nick. We would go this long about every single detail yeah. if you weren't here. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I can pee at any moment. Spider boys will never die. Spider, Spider boys. boys for life. Uh, Peter can see, of course, when he puts them on everyone's texts. And another fun moment for this character. He's like, this is totally wrong and puts them away. Mm -hmm. He doesn't abuse that. And Toby McGuire would have looked. Toby would have looked. Yeah. Toby would, Toby would have fucking looked. Toby totally would have looked. Uh, then they take a pit stop, and Peter meets up with another S.H.I.E.L.D. operative to get another shoot because Spider-Man can't be seen in Europe. I like that little touch. Uh, but it's weird. It is weird that she makes him take his clothes off. Of course, Brad comes in and, like a dick, takes a picture of Peter because he likes MJ, too. Now, to Brad's point, he's like, dude, you got to please delete that. And Brad's like, listen, I'm going to be straight with you, man. I like MJ, too. And I'm going to show her this picture because this is creepy and it'll give me a leg up I need. And you're like, touche, Brad. You got to respect Brad on. saying game on. And yeah. I think I think the reason I don't mind the the Brad walking in and, and like the underwear and like, number one, Nick, you know, this is a classic teen comedy goof mix up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's got so of course it's going to be there. But number two, um. You know, all the S.H.I.E.L.D. operatives treat Peter this way. When everybody's like, why would she just be like, just take off your suit, don't talk to me? He's a kid. So far, everybody at S.H.I.E.L.D.'s been like that to him. Right. Um, and one note that I made about this is, you know, in the comics, Peter Parker is one of the only superheroes that nobody has any record of. Nobody knows who he is. And if you know who he is, it's like Scout's Honor, I'm never going to tell. Um, so it's a little weird to me that Peter, like, everybody in S.H.I.E.L.D. knows who Peter is, but I love it because of the juxtaposition of this adorable, soft Peter 
and these like tough government agents, I'm okay with it. I'm My okay only with problem it. with it is, and I, I agree with everything you just said. I just don't like the actual lines of dialogue they have. Cause I feel like it is an attempt to make us laugh as opposed mm-hmm. to a funny thing that this character would actually say. They wouldn't say, take off your clothes, take off your clothes. They would say, get in this suit. Yeah, and we, I think need to test, a, we need to test the suit. We need to test the comms. You know, that's that's it. Where I'm like, you're playing this for a joke, and that's where the the MCU. Oh, everything has to be a joke. Everything has to be a, a, like a quippy thing. I'm just like, ah, oh, it took me out of it just a just a little more than I'd like to be. But I love mm-hmm. the idea of Brad walking out on it because that is hilarious and that Peter Spider struggle for yeah. sure. I'll I'll say a theme. I'll say a theme theme of these two movies. And and Nick, I think you might agree with me on this. Is with with these two movies. The setup, the setup for these things is usually very awkward, but they wind up paying it off in a bigger way than you would ever think. You know, mm-hmm. the connection of this I'll agree. to the to the defense network and everything is is a huge is a huge deal. And it's sort of the way we first learn about these drones and how scary they can be. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a dumb, clumsy setup, but they I can't blame them because they pay things off so well. They yeah. do. That's yeah, true. Uh, of course, we're gonna get that payoff right now, where Peter tries to use Edith to uh, delete the picture from Brad's phone and ends up in- initiating a drone strike from space on him. Uh, he distracts everyone with a little baby mountain goat because who doesn't want to see baby goats? Jumps out of the top of the bus and destroys the drone. You ever uh, see a mountain goat on a, on the side of a mountain, Nick? Yeah, it's awesome. They're standing. You're like, how are you standing there? How are you doing that? They're adorable. It's and it's wonderful. They apparently. I, I was just reading this on Instagram. They apparently have hooves that are specially designed to like they're like hard but then soft in the middle so they can grip on to uh the rocks and it was funny because in this instagram post they said the only thing that makes them fall off is they actually have abnormally large testicles that if they swing too far uh will make them fall off and then it said that last part was a lie and i laughed out loud but the who's thing is real God, I love you so much, Nick. Mm-hmm. This scene, I bet you you guys can go back and watch the first review and you'll find me defending it. But it's one of my least favorite parts of the movie upon this rewatch. I don't like the way spe- the, the, uh, Speeder. Speeder. <laughs> Peter, Spider-Man, Peter. Peter, jump out of the, the bus, shoot things and immediately mm-hmm. fall back. The physics fuck me up. It takes me out of it. I'm like, I, yeah. you could have done something cooler. Well, I feel like they, the rising the stakes. Everybody's looking out so- the window. Yeah, like it, there's a, a lot of elements here that I Everybody. feel like happened too much, too fast. And the way that they're like, okay, this drone is coming from space to literally kill this high school student is so funny. <laughs> but like the way it's handled, I'm like, ah, oh, for a joke that good, I think they could have done something a little bit more clever as opposed to just some clearly CG action thing that like, yeah, just it stands out as, in my opinion, bad. But this setup is the awkward setup like itself is the conclusion of the original setup but this is the setup for hey when you see these drones later Mm -hmm. you you're gonna remember how fucked up they are yeah yeah Yeah. it's scary uh then betty tells him she's like peter you think we wouldn't notice we do notice your new look it's great And then, of course, it cuts over to Brad. He's like, I swear to God, the picture was here a moment ago. And uh, Peter actually succeeds in taking it off uh, his phone. They arrive in Prague, and their hotel is amazing. Uh, Ned tells Peter uh, he has to save them all, or excuse me, save them all, and meet meet up with the team to go over the plan to stop fire. And you know what? Uh, Beck seems pretty cool, man. He's like, my friends here are here, and I can't help but think we're putting them in danger is what Peter tells them. But Fury claps back and says, Stark gave you a multi-billion dollar.
Scholar Augmented Reality Protocol, and you used it to almost drone strike your friends. It's clear you weren't ready. Uh, that's kind of the heart of the theme of this movie. Yeah. Uh, Mysterio heads up the, to the moment roof. where the moment where he's like, uh, Mr. Well, me and Mr. Beck, and he goes, my name is Mysterio. And he gives Peter the spooky eyes. And you're just like, I love this guy. And mm -hmm. I want this guy to be the nice guy that he's saying he is, including on the on the roof, this moment that we're getting to right now, where I'm just like, nobody has ever, ever talked to Peter on this level in the MCU. Mm -hmm. And I get, and I'm on rewatch. I was so angry at Mysterio through this whole movie. Mm -hmm. I was so <laughs> mad in a way that I wasn't the first time. You could have been so cool, Quentin. It could have so been friends, cool. Nick. Uh, he says uh, he has a heart to heart with Peter, and Peter kind of opens up and says, I wasn't planning on saving the world this summer. And to which uh, Mysterio replies, You survive this, you'll have all summer to kill Brad. Peter hits up Edith and asks for help keeping his friends inside for the next few hours. She comes through with free tickets to a four-hour opera. Uh, meanwhile, the carnival outside is a banger. Uh, some say the party of the year. So these kids are super bummed. They have to miss the whole thing. Such a good gag. It's great. Uh, the head of the opera and MJ is wearing a dress. And Peter tells her she looks really pretty. And she says, therefore, I have value. And Peter's like, ah. Uh, and he stumbles. She goes, I'm just kidding. I'm just you're like, no, you. you're thinking of Tobey Maguire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is the, uh, that was two Spider-Man uh, universes ago. You're thinking uh, about Earth 2002. This is Earth 616. And I really like you. Yeah. Uh, I like that MJ makes the first move here, Nick. We don't she see does. that. We don't see that in the other versions. And yeah, she wants to share a pair of opera glasses with him and then she'll save him a seat next to him. And Peter's like, oh, okay, there's something here. Uh, but then the opera starts and Peter realizes uh, uh, he's got to go. And then Brad looks over and flips him off as he sits down next to MJ, who immediately gets up and follows Peter. Uh, Betty and Ned, thinking that MJ is going to the party with Peter, uh, decide to follow suit. And now all four friends are in trouble. Peter wears his new suit to the carnival and I'm going to say it. It's dope. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Betty and Ned hit the Ferris wheel, which I'll tell you what, man. You're in the MCU. You're in any of these superhero universes. Stay away from the Ferris stay wheel. Stay away. Especially if you're Ned and you have the insider information. Yeah. No. Yeah. We're not going on this thing. Betty, no. Mm -mm. Let's, go, let's go eat cotton candy where we can stay nimble. Oh, I, I heard <laughs> they make the best pierogies in this sub-sub-sub-sub-basement restaurant mm -hmm. three mm -hmm. blocks from here. Yes, yep. exactly. But I'll tell you what, when you know how it is, Carabona, you just fell in love. You just dual headphone jacked each other on the plane. And now you're like, whatever she wants to do, I'm in. I feel like kiss a, kiss a girl on a Ferris wheel is on the same list as dual headphone jack. You know what I mean? You know, I'll be honest with you. I'm a great kisser. Tim knows. Mm -hmm. But Ferris wheel kisses, not my nom de plum. It's too mm. back and forthy. I tense up too much in parts of my body that I need loose for good kissing. You gotta, You have to sit in the non-rocking, in the non-swinging carts they'll ask you in the beginning do you want a swinging cart or a stationary cart kissins for the stationary cart oh i didn't know there was a stationary cart I'm now all, you know hey cart, this, is, this opens your kissing abilities to hold new Let levels nick. nick i'm here for you and i want you to cross everything off that list get the stationary cart my dude okay okay you know what i'll, I'll tell you what next time i'm in italy and i'm on the ferris wheel i'm gonna ask mm -hmm. for the stationary cart and then i'm gonna live it. stream it just to your it phone. only works on italian ferris wheels of course <laughs> It's Italian a regional Fer Ferris wheel. Let's put it this way. On Italian Ferris wheels, they're all supposed to be stationary, but not all of them are. Thanks Look. for that great Italian engineering. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Peter, uh, let's, uh, here we go. Ned tells Betty 
uh, oh, go back. Oh, okay. Uh, then, of course, we get the elemental coming to life. Everything springs into action. Uh, Ned's, uh, Betty sees Spider-Man. She's like, hey, it's Spider-Man. He goes, no, 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 that's not Spider-Man. That's a weird European knockoff version of Spider-Man. And she's like, well, what's it called? And he goes, it's called the Night Monkey. And that's God damn great. The Who came up with that? Deserves a raise. Know. But the one-liner that just was heard around the world for six months after this, people were obsessed with Night Monkey. Oh, it's great. It's great. It's so good. Uh, Mysterio and so Spidey good. team up to fight the fire with fire, fire with fire in the fire, and Ferris will becomes collateral damage. Peter inadvertently lots, knocks a small uh, drone projector loose, which MJ spots and grabs. Uh, Beck sacrifices himself to save the city, uh, shouting, whatever happens, I'm glad we met to Peter as he goes in, and he goes I get super green. so mad at mm-hmm. Mysterio during this scene because he is just Invoking. the best partner. He's just the best partner to Peter during this. He's like, don't worry, you got this, and I'll go left, you go right, and they just work together so beautifully, and I get so mad at Quentin Beck during this scene. Yep. Uh, I mean, dude, one of the, the best Easter eggs of this moment is before, like, he does the whole sacrifice play, he tells Peter exactly what he's going to do, he sets it up in a very Tony Stark-esque way, mm-hmm. he looks at him, and before he runs at him, he snaps. Yeah. And goes. And it's Ooh. like, God Damn, that emotional, was good. Emotional manipulation of Peter Parker all throughout this movie. Uh, sound design moment that I'm sure you really enjoyed, Tim, as I did. There's a split, split second where the score drops out and you hear just a little bit of the carousel music before it gets thrashed. Dopeness. It was very good. <laughs> uh, of course, Beck survives because it's his illusion. And Nick asks him to officially join the team and join them in Berlin at their HQ over there. And then tells Peter he needs to decide whether or not he's going to step up now. Uh, Stark shows you he made you an Avengers. I need that. The world needs that. Maybe Stark was wrong. We'll see. The choice is yours. Uh, Emotional Beck, manipulation. Of course, man. Quit playing games with my heart. Beck, of course, invites Peter out for a drink, knowing that Peter's uh, teetering. Uh, and he tells uh, Peter tells me he's conflicted. He just wanted to go on a trip with his friends, go to the Eiffel Tower with the girl he really likes, and maybe give her a kiss. Uh, he lets Beck try on the glasses, and they remind him immediately of Tony. And I love that he's sort of got some facial hair and all that stuff. You don't really mm-hmm. realize it at first, but it's all designed to manipulate Peter's emotions. Yeah. Uh, and then it gets, so he gets the bright idea. He remembers the note. He says to the next Tony, next Tony Stark, I trust you. And then he says, maybe he didn't trust me to have Edith. Maybe he trusted me to find the next Tony Stark. This uh, is why punctuation is so important. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Specificity is the, is the core of communication, Nick Scarpino. Mm-hmm. You put a comma... It's too staccato. That should have been a period. If I was the copy editor, I would have said that should have been a period, Tony Stark. He could have avoided a lot of problems right here. A lot of problems. Right. I do like the image of two superheroes with their masks off at a pub in Prague and nobody cares. Yep. That's <laughs> it's um, so fun. Also, just, just for clarity's sake, Tim, if you ever want to leave me um, control of the company, put mm-hmm. Nick, comma, you're in control of the company. Yeah. Period. Greg, uh-huh. comma, fuck off. That's what I need you to put. Uh, it's, uh, of course, Peter transfers control of Edith to Quentin Beck. And welcome to the Avengers. They look good on you, is what he says. And then Quentin says, "Good luck, kid. I give you about a fifty-fifty chance. You're pretty awkward." Of course, referring to, uh, to I guess everything. Uh, and then Peter leaves so to find bad. MJ, and the whole so bar bad. disappears. As Quentin says, wait for it. See, that wasn't so hard. Uh, and then everyone goes up crazy and starts uh, starts applauding because they pulled it off, man. Somebody get this stupid costume off me, is what he screams as we end the scene. Uh, this is one of the most unforgettable movie moments 
of all time for me. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Every, we don't end the scene here. We, we keeps going on. But sorry. Yeah. Go ahead, Tim. Just every once in a while, something will happen in a movie where I'm like, I did not see that coming. Or mm-hmm. sometimes things will happen where I'm like, I saw this coming. And then I'm like, oh, wait, no, you did it in a completely better way than I could have ever imagined. Yeah. And that is what happened here. This twist, I was like, okay, cool. Here it is. He's the villain. But how are they going to explain? Like the entire movie, just like Carboni was saying, I'm like, how are the- he got wet from the water. There are things being damaged. Like what is going on? And the way they just go through it all. And I, I personally love how they're like, all right, there's people out there that don't like how Tony Stark and MCU, all these Spider-Man movies are. Fuck y'all. We're telling our story here. And we're going to tell it to the best of our abilities. Them tying it back to barf. Them tying it back to the dude from Iron Man 1. It is so brilliant. Such a good use of what they've set up over the last 10 plus years. And I absolutely love how much sense it all makes. Where I'm just like, you know what? I believe you, Mysterio. I believe in your team. I believe in what's happening. And you got the stuff. You got the powers. You have the science behind it. You're literally using Stark tech. Not just, oh, I found some Stark tech here and now I'm the bad guy. It's like, y'all have the smarts to back it up because you were literally working for Stark. Mm-hmm. I love this also Great. because it's such a mirror of um, Adrian Veidt from Watchmen. Mm-hmm. The idea that he doesn't just hire hire scientists, he hires writers and artists, and it's like a whole production team. So cool. Uh, and what I like about that is like, in the comics, it's always Quentin Beck was a special effects guy, and he was blackballed from the industry, and now he makes these uh, illusions. And it's like, how? And I love right. the idea of Mysterio is really an organization of people rallied behind a common cause, which is, of course, phase one and two, Tony Stark was the worst employer. Mm-hmm. Of course he was. And I, I just, I love this whole thing. The motivational speech that he gives and the thank, like, we did this, we did this together. We are Mysterio, like, is so good. Um, but I also notice he doesn't make fun of Peter. He doesn't make fun of Peter. He says, he poor kid. Call him a he's, hormonal teenager at one point. Yeah. He says, yeah, he, he, says, he says, then everyone will listen uh, to us. Not a boozy man child, not a hormonal teenager, but to me. Yeah. And my very wealthy crew. But yeah, but, I mean, it's not. Yeah, I think he he's a he dick. Doesn't, he doesn't rail on him. He's like, no, nah, Peter's true. a good kid. I love this toast as framing for exposition. Like, it's such mm-hmm. a good excuse to give us exposition and explain all this stuff. And what if it, it was a clip of the toast on the news? Then it would have been a problem. No, I, I love this, man. I think it's really, really cool. And I, I, I it, it, it's funny. Like, at the end of the day, it's like it's connecting the MCU. Mm-hmm. It's explaining the plot of this movie. And it, like makes us feel things, you know, whether yeah. it's just like, oh, my God, it's that girl. I can't believe they connected this. It's like, this is a smart fucking plan. Like, you're a good bad guy. Uh, of course, Peter uh, returns back to the hotel, excited to continue his trip, but it's been canceled. Their parents all want them to come home, of course, because they just got attacked. Uh, MJ asks where Peter went, and he goes, I got lost. She says, good thing you're back. So much for Paris. Uh, then Peter has a little moment here where he mans up, and he tells MJ he's not ready for the trip to be over yet, and she immediately says yes. Uh, you know, she closes the door, and then he goes to knock on it again, and she opens it back up. I like that moment. She I love says, he, has he has no plan. Zero plan, but he said, I'll see you outside in 10 minutes. She said, meet me outside in five. Uh, and they go for a walk on a very romantic bridge, with, which my wife says is never, ever, ever not crowded. Uh, and then MJ tells Peter they used to execute, or she says they used to execute people here. And he's like, hmm, good to know. And Peter wants to tell MJ something. And so he says he, he musters up all of his courage. And he says, I, and she says, am Spider-Man. And she says, that's what you want to say, right? You're Spider-Man. And I love it. 
I'm like, wow, she just figured it out because she's not stupid, right? He's like, wait, what are you talking about? She's like, come on, DC, all that stuff. You were on the ground, yada, yada, yada. I'm not dumb. And uh, she's like, you're either – she's like, we think you're either Spider-Man or a male escort. I love escort. that. <laughs> and then she goes, no, 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 today it was the night monkey. Uh, that's what it said on the news, and the news never lies. Uh, she shows Peter the drone camera thingy that, with that, that, that got webbed. He webbed off uh, and the same stuff. Uh, sorry, excuse me. She shows him the projector, and she's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, then why does the night monkey use the same uh, web technology that Spider-Man uses? And she's like, well, he's like, you got me there. Uh, and then he goes, wait, were you only watching me because you thought I was Spider-Man? And she gets nervous and says, yeah, why else would I be watching you? Uh, she kind of chickens out there. Then the drone camera goes nuts and it projects the cyclone elemental from Mexico. And Peter realizes, uh-oh, the elementals are fake. Then he goes, why would something like that? Who would do something like that? And he realizes Mysterio. He just immediately screwed up. Uh, I love that back. he confesses yep. immediately when he when he fucked up. He's like, oh, God, I fucked up. I'm Spider-Man. Can we move on? Because I have to fix this. Yeah. He's like, I am Spider-Man. <laughs> I really messed up. She goes, are you serious? Because I was only like 60% sure you were Spider-Man. He's like, yes, I'm Spider-Man. Uh, and then over in the theater, Mysterio practices uh, the next fight with his crew, which is going to be huge. Before we get to that scene, which I absolutely love, just this Tom Holland, MJ, back and mm-hmm. forth. I, I have seen it multiple times now. And every time it makes me think, I thought we couldn't get as good as Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone. Mm-hmm. Huh. And then they cast Zendaya. You know what I mean? Like, I just like the two of these characters, people together, I just believe in so much. And I love that they make Zendaya a character. I love that yes. she figured it out, but still was questioning herself. And then when it was confirmed, she's like, fuck yeah, I was right. Like, I really, really love that. It's, it's a it's, different energy. I was going to say it's a different Oh, it's different. Vibe, oh, absolutely sure. different. That's why I didn't say better. Because the, like as good as. I'll say the vibe between Tom Holland and Zendaya is very high school love 1.0 where you're just excited to kiss each other. The mm-hmm. vibe between Emma Stone and Andrew Garfield was definitely a third base to home run sort of vibe every single time. Yeah. Both are great, just different. Anyway, yeah, over in the theater, theater, with that. It was, it's, it's, a pr- it's prom night every night with those two. You know yes. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. Uh, Mysterio practices the, the next fight with his crew. I like the scene we see behind the scenes. Love that he's wearing legitimately just a green screen suit that they use to, like, composite mm-hmm. the armor onto Tony Stark that you'd see, like, behind the scenes. They just have him in it, which is cool. Fucking cool. Yeah. Uh, the software upload Once the software is uploaded to Edith, it will allow them to create an event that can cover an entire city like London uh, so they can save the world from an Avengers-level threat, which is what Quentin wants to do. We see that. We see the Stark drones. We recognize the Stark drones from the scene that we don't like, but we understand what they are because of the scene that we don't like. Mm-hmm. And we also see the villainous part of Beck here. The two things that mm-hmm. I really love is like, hey, London's a pretty big city and there are going to be a lot of casualties. He's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be fine. And well, then the thing where, then the thing where it's like, and nobody wants to get a bullet in the head, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh no, he really is horrible. He's yeah, he's very, very uh, evil. And of course, that that happens when William act- tells him that one of the projectors. He's like, why is this messing up? He goes, oh, one of the projectors is missing, but don't worry about. It. No one's going to know that. And Beck's like, what do you mean it's missing? That is that is evidence against us. We have to find that. Uh, and that's when he he draws the, the the drones on him, and you're like, oh, he's willing to kill for this. Uh, mm-hmm. And they track, of course, they they hack into the drone and they track the projector back to Peter and MJ who are hiding out in the hotel. Uh, Peter decides his best course of action is to go to Berlin to talk to Nick Fury in person. Uh, he changes in front of MJ and is just shredded in this movie. Now, the first movie I was like, okay, Tom Holland clearly just cheating because he's super skinny, right? And we, all, we left him off the abs list originally, Tim, if you remember, mm-hmm. because I was like, 
he didn't put on a lot of muscle for that. He's just super skinny, and it's easier for super skinny people to have a six-pack. That's my jealousy. He put on more muscle than Garfield. He put on a did. lot more. Well, he put on a lot of muscle for this one because he looked yeah. he looks like he's got a solid 10 pounds of muscle in just the ab section. He looks fantastic. Were they born? Born in labs. Now it's time to rank those abs. What's up, everybody? <laughs> we haven't done it yet, but let's rank those abs. Starting off, I will say I think Tobey Maguire probably looks the most like thick. Out of all the Spider-Man, so I'm going to put him at number one. Uh, number two, I'm going to put Tom Holland from Far From Home. And then number three, I'll give to Andrew Garfield, who is more of a leaner, taller, yeah. sort of lengthier Spider-Man. Agreed. There you go. And Perfect ranking. Right, those abs, ladies and gentlemen. Back to the plot. Uh, let's see. Uh, the, the little jealousy here between Ned and MJ is amazing. It's perfect. It's fucking perfect. <laughs> I just love it when he's like, y'all working the case? Like, <laughs> yeah. such good dialogue, man. Uh, and then he tells them both not to tell anyone about this because anyone who knows about this is in danger. Then he jumps out the window. And I missed this the first time. And I am sad to say that I missed this because this is a great MJ moment. He goes, don't tell anyone about this. Anyone who knows about this is in danger. I'll be back. And then jumps out the window and webs away. And she just takes a real long, deep breath as she just yeah. watched him run out of that. And it is definitely an MJ from Spider-Man 2 kind of moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter heads to Berlin and Nick picks him up with uh, in another Audi. Uh, this movie is brought to you by Audi and takes him to Mission Control. Uh, That's where here that Peter uh, appraises Nick and Maria of the situation that Beck is a liar. And then Peter's uh, Peter Tingle starts to pop and the illusion gets dropped and Peter gets stuck in a very scary nightmare escape. Uh, this scene is cool, but it's very cartoony is the only critique I have of it is that it doesn't feel like a real part of this movie it feels i was just about to ask i was just about to ask because i too really love this but i do it's one of those it's one of those things and i know tim you said when we when we started off that this is this is it this scene is kind of it for you and i and i i understand emotionally symbolically even in terms of action and choreography it's great but it is one of those scenes where it's like don't think too much about how this is working Mm -hmm. so my feedback to that mm-hmm. is i feel where you guys are coming from but we have established the rules of these projections because of that i think all of this works i think the fact that it is a lot of different elements that are both physically and being projected on him mm-hmm. the the fact that they have him kind of knock out a couple drones and we see what's really out there in a couple of these scenes mm-hmm. i think makes it not feel like a cartoon, even though it does feel like a cartoon for what he's experiencing, but that is what he's experiencing. Mm-hmm. It's just the outs. There is a reality that is believable for where they're at. I fucking yeah. love it. And I love the fact that again, it's layered as they like kick him out of it. But all of that is just a thing that was written by people that have way too much time on their hands. And their sole job is coming up with, the, with these ridiculous mini productions mm-hmm. with writers and the fact that there's a team behind it makes me like makes go sense. okay because we see like 30 people in that bar yeah. you know yeah. like we're introduced to a couple but i'm like okay cool like they know what they're doing if it was just mysterio i'd have a harder time being like how the fuck did he come up with all this but here it's like they have been planning this for a while they knew what they were doing sure some of it could be like a little how they pl- get all of the elements together this quickly they fucking did it though i am so yeah. in i think the scene is incredible I like uh, the yeah. uh, I like the, the moment the, where he he turns to punch back, and then it, the the illusion goes away for a second as he punches a cent, like a just a cinder column of cement, yeah. and he's like, "Ow!" Oh, I love that part. I love stuff like that. 
Yeah, it was it's good. And the way and the way it ends, like three layers deep where he just gets hit with a train, which I also think is what makes you feel cartoony about it, Nick, is like it literally ends with like a Roadrunner coyote getting hit by a train. Mm-hmm. See, uh, I, I, I love that a, though. I, I think him no, I love it actually too. getting hit by a train, like to me, that felt cartoony, but like that was real. And I think yeah. that that kind of balances everything out. And he has to deal with the effects of that. Like he is Spider Man, he is this superpowered person, but he just got hit by a fucking train. And like yeah. he gets really damaged from that, which I think is is cool. But also, it gives us a power level understanding of like, he's still okay. <laughs> like he right. got hit by a fucking train, a speeding train, and he's fine. Like, I think that that did a great job for me of, like, believing the Mysterio scene a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, of course, uh, Beck takes the opportunity to reroute Peter's classmates to fly into London so he can kill all the loose ends. But Peter's not dead. He passed out on the train and wakes up in a municipal holding facility with a bunch of Dutch soccer hooligans who are all just delightful. And oh he says, God. you know what? He says, you guys are really nice and you speak really good English. And one of the guys says, welcome to the Netherlands. Dude. <laughs> The, the running gag of just the Netherlands is just nice and being good. The nicest thing ever. And like, like the thing, the the cell opens and like they don't leave. They go to close no, the door close again. It. Like, are you guys okay in there? You know, like all this stuff is so good. It. And of course, something, Peter, go something I wanted to point out um, that I I thought about this moment in the movie is it's cool that for so for every one of the Spider-Man movies so far there's been some iconic moment that we're looking forward to or expecting or um, revisiting that we've already seen in some of the movies whether it's Uncle Ben's death or Mary Jane or uh, sorry Gwen Stacy's death like these type of things. Venom the Black Symbiote are are all that stuff here this is the first movie we've gotten that isn't trying to have any of those moments at all. Like even homecoming had the him trying to like pull up the mm-hmm. rubble and all that stuff. Like mm-hmm. this movie I think deserves a little bit extra credit because it just told a really damn unique story that was a good Spider-Man story, but it, that isn't necessarily based on things that we've known before. Yeah. Uh, Peter, of course, borrows a Dutchman's phone. Uh, who's like, yeah, I just asks, like, just ask, Hey man, can I have your phone? Of course. Of course. <laughs> and he calls, <laughs> And then he calls Happy to tell him where he's at. Uh, moments later, uh, the star. When jet you first watched this movie, did you know he was calling Happy? I assumed as much. Did you? Because who else would he trust, right? Because yeah. he doesn't know who Nick Fury is now. Like he doesn't really know. He can't. He can't trust that he's too close. So I just assumed he'd call Happy. Happy's. A I guess I didn't think system. about it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was. Course. I was actually a little surprised that it was Happy. Really? And yeah. I mean, I guess. I mean, I guess I knew. Like, I knew plot-wise and functionally that it was going to be happy, but I think because of how contentious their relationship had been in the first one, it surprised me, which is why I also think that they do the whole thing of, like, just how relieved and how happy they are to see each other. Mm-hmm. Um, this this moment here just... Ugh, when I talk about emotional core, it's this. It's like, we didn't see it. We didn't get to experience it. This movie jumps ahead a lot. but like. Damn, I love how much Happy and Peter love each other now. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, I mean, come on, they're almost family for Christ's sake. He's dating his aunt, uh, but he doesn't trust him just yet. As he walks up, he says, mm-hmm. "Tell me something only you would know," because he wants to make sure it's not an illusion. And Happy tells Peter that he knows that he watched porn in Germany. He's like, "All right." Uh, and then they go over to the plane where Happy sutures him, and he tells him to relax. And Peter just freaks out. He's like, "I can't relax. I messed everything up." And he says, "I'm sorry. I just really miss him. Uh, everywhere I go, I see his face." We we didn't touch upon that though. All the great Iron Man sort of like 
messiah imagery that we see mm-hmm. everywhere you know graffiti just, on the walls and people painting pictures of him and all that stuff yeah even when they don't call it out and the camera doesn't like linger on it they yeah. were really good about just like throwing it in places around there's the just, world yeah there's yeah. that great moment where he's in new york still and he's sitting um after the, the press conference and he's sitting on top of a building and it's just that amazing giant building style mural of iron man as he's like with his with his uh repulsors like coming forward toward the camera it's really really cool is that the right word yeah. what are they called mm-hmm yeah, repulsors. Repulsors. Uh, of course, uh, Happy takes this opportunity. He's like, or he's like, listen, man, I'm. The world is asking who the next Iron Man is. I'm not Iron Man. And he's like, let me be honest with you, man. Tony was a mess. He second guessed himself all over the place. The only thing he didn't second guess was picking you. Your friends are in danger. You're missing your tech. What are you gonna do about it? And Peter's like, you know what? I'm gonna use your cell phone. So he uses his cell phone to track Flash via his Instagram but- reels. <laughs> But I do streams. love, I do love the, I'm going to kick his ass. And then happy is immediately like, oh no, no, no. Like you need a, like, what's the plan for yeah, doing yeah, yeah, that? Yeah. Like, what are you, like, no, what are you doing right now? No, like, what are we going to do like, right like, now? Like, <laughs> immediately. He goes, but, all right, all right. Flash though, answering his phone or like the live stream, like, yo, what's up flash mob? It's the big F. So good. <laughs> he refers to himself as the big F. Of course he does. Sam, we've referred to you as the, as the big T. Thank uh, you. Thank you, now Nick. all he needs is a suit thankfully the plane comes stock with a nano suit maker in the back happy watches with pride while peter uses the stark tech to make his own customized spider-man suit drawing from all the things he's had in the past yeah let me just let me just get this moment out because it's the best moment in the movie he says what are you looking at and happy says nothing he goes you take care of the suit i'll take care of the music and he plays ACDC's Back in Black, which, of course, ACDC being a staple of the Stark family. And Peter responds, I love Led Zeppelin. And it's a fucking facepalm moment. That's so great. So good. But I, you know, as much as I said, I hate the Tony Stark of, of it all, particularly in Homecoming. It just felt like it was all there. You know, it's a little better after Endgame for reasons, obviously. Um, it's a little more understandable, but also... Just like we were saying, a theme of this, a theme of these movies is sometimes I don't like the way they set things up, but they always pay them off very well. And this moment here where Peter comes into his own, he's making his suit. That's Mm -hmm. what was missing, right? I hated that Peter was gifted everything when like we talked about how much we love Andrew Garfield watching YouTube videos and building his tech. You know, this is where Spider-Man becomes like this amalgam of what everybody loves about spider-man mm-hmm. um and watching happy watch him the way he watched you know they're like oh no he's this is tony like i'm i'm gonna help like and this is the next tony and like it worked i i turned i i was a hater and i turned into a lover there you go this this scene is incredible to me and it's for so many reasons for everything carboni said totally agree i think they it takes the MCU and makes it a Spider-Man moment while simultaneously being one of the most powerful MCU moments ever. It's playing with our emotions as moviegoers. This is months after Endgame. But in addition to that, it's not just, oh, Tony Stark died. This is Iron Man died, the character that started the MCU. We are a decade deep into this storytelling. And this is the greatest tribute they could have possibly done of dealing with the the post-Endgame. How are we going to, what does this world look like? And this is, to say it's a passing of the torch, I think isn't even giving it enough credit because I love the, I need a suit him and happy being boys at this point, which I keep saying, I love that these movies are great Spider-Man movies, but also great Iron Man movie sequels. And, or at least like the trilogy, uh, this mm-hmm. sequel trilogy. And I really, really love how the Avengers theme kicks in when he starts going back to make his suit. 
And it's like such a powerful moment of that's the passing of the torch. But then the ACDC music playing and him wearing the black, pulling up the hollow and all that stuff. It is just that extra element that I don't think any of us would have ever expected. And like they did that for us. That was mm-hmm. such a thing for the audience of like, hey, Tony's gone, but it's okay. And I, I really, really appreciate that because I Tony's think it works gone? in the context of this movie, in yeah. context of the MCU, but in just in context of us as fans growing up watching these movies. Yeah, Tony's gone, but it's okay because we're handing everything off to this character and legally it's going to be fine. There's no reason we should think that this character won't be here. We are happy handing the keys to the kingdom over to this character, mm-hmm. which we are sure will not backfire on us nope. in any way. Yep, super safe, super safe choice. Uh, back good over. God, in you go, they're just they're just sitting in their offices like, good God, I hope they like Ironheart. Good God, I hope they <laughs> like Ironheart. Uh, back on the ground, Brad tries to call attention to the fact that Peter is shady, and MJ, knowing now everything, turns right back around to him and says, "Why would you think it's cool to take a picture of people in the bathroom?" And everyone's like, "Oh, you're gross." And then JB Smooth has a great moment here where he pulls Brad aside and says, "Listen, I'm going to be a cool teacher right now." You got to stop doing that. No more doing that. No more taking pictures of people in the bathroom. Uh, one of Beck's men picks up the kids while he puts his, uh, his, his plan in place, which is 100 times bigger than the other ones. Uh, Peter puts the finishing touches on his new suit, which is red and black, and it's so cool. Uh, while Happy sends a Nick a coded message that could not be less coded if he tried. Uh, then he asks Peter how he's going to beat the holograms, and Peter tells him he's got the – he's like, I got this thing. It's like a sixth sense thing. And he goes, oh, the Peter tingle. Yeah, great. The payoff of the Peter Tingle, man. Uh, Uh, That's what they call the Peter Tingle payoff. Now, Now, Tim Geddes, Mm -hmm. you being a uh, a deep Spider-Man lore and Spider-Man production fan, did you notice the similarities of this suit to anything else? This suit in particular and the red and black in particular. I mean, so... Two things come to mind. Obviously, I was a little shocked they would do this with Miles's suit being black and red as opposed mm-hmm. to red and black, but mainly Superior Spider-Man. It is so close. Yeah. Yeah. Superior Spider-Man and the original Alex Ross production sketches for the original Spider-Man movie. Interesting. I do not know that. Were the red and black, and they were almost exactly this suit now there are a lot of similarities between a lot of different spider suits oh wow yeah but and and sometimes it's just because there are uh are iconic elements that's why a lot of the video game suits even if they weren't from comics kind of just look like they were um but this is very much the alex ross spider-man suit that they never got to use for the first movie and i just love that they pulled it back in this is so funny because looking at this just google searching it i am shocked this is the superior spider-man suit yeah like holy oh, crap is. yeah kevin one sec what's superior spider-man that's cool oh, oh you're gonna superior love superior spider-man, spider-man. Give, uh, carboni please give nick the like one-liner of what this is because i'm re- thinking about this recently i'm like what stories does the mcu even have left to tell that are this iconic and this big of a deal and superior spider-man is something we will get on film one day what is it carboni imagine if you will through a freak accident of science, mm-hmm. Dr. Otto Octavius wakes up with his mind in the body of Peter Parker. Oh, that's cool. And he says, Peter Parker, what a waste of potential. What a waste of power and opportunity and intellect. I will do more with Peter Parker's life 
than he has ever done with it. I will be the greatest Spider-Man this world has ever known. That's cool. (laughs) And he becomes the superior Spider-Man. One of my favorite 33 issue arcs in the comic ever. Ah, well, ladies and gentlemen, we're not quite done with this arc. We're going back down (laughs) to London uh, where, uh, let's see, uh, the massive elemental comes out of the water near the Tower Bridge and Beck comments, now that's an Avengers level threat. MJ and Ned realize they're in danger while Peter rides on the outside of the plane. Before he jumps, he tells Happy, listen, we're going to need to have a real conversation about you and my aunt. And I think, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure Happy kind of like tilts the plane over and Peter falls off uh, and he's relieved when when he's off. That part of that last part I made up, but I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, <laughs> Fury realizes Beck is full of shit, uh, and and uh, Beck's like, "Listen, I gotta do X, Y, and Z." And when he gets off the phone, he goes, oh, "That's some bullshit." As Peter en- enters the illusion and starts um, webbing all the drones together, so he can use his taser web, I think, to electrify them and break the illusion, which works. Uh, Maria Hill, at one point, one of the drones, as it breaks down, one of the drones is literally right in front of. Uh, Nick Fury about to put a bullet in his head and he, he uh, radios to Maria Hill you got me and she goes I got you and she takes it out which is cool uh, Beck tells his team to kill the illusion and and they're like what are you gonna do he goes don't worry about it. I have a plan and then Janice asks if he still needs his cape and he goes yes Janice I still need the cape oh <laughs> it's a great moment I love that he's just he's just a he is just a diva, just a diva. even throughout this you, you know, know even in this moment it's just like yeah of course I'm gonna murder all these people and then I need the cape of course of course of course I, and like, I, I love the line it. where he's like, I could be standing in front of the queen in one hour. I need that cape. Uh, Happy lands and tries to get the kids aboard, but the Stark check blows up. So plan B, uh, Beck orders the drones to take out Spider-Man. Awesome scene of all, all the stuff here to me with Spider-Man webbing around 10 out of 10. I love the occasional hang time he gets. Where he'll yes. go up and he'll like, he'll be going one way, but they'll turn around and like shoot the web the other way and like do all sorts of cool stuff. It's all super creative. I love the first-person drone perspective, Mm -hmm. which they did a little bit in Amazing Spider-Man, which here we're here, like where you see it kind of flying from its wing, very, uh, very Top Gun. I love the uh, the bit during this fight when he um, and we're not quite. I don't think we're at the moment yet, but there's a part where he gets set on fire by a drone, and so he swings himself through the water to put himself out, and it's just, ah, it's amazing watching these. You know, I forget sometimes that we've compressed 20 years of movie making into like the last few weeks. And it's been fun to watch the character get better at being Spider-Man, but also watch the technology and the artists behind it get better at understanding how to depict Spider-Man. And this fight is just so good because it's so Spider-Man. Uh, of course, Happy takes the kids to a museum to hide them in the vault, uh, and the drones attack them. MJ grabs a mace and knocks one down as Happy tries to, as they go, I love this part, Happy, they try to, they go into the vault, and Happy grabs a shield and tries to hurl it at one of the drones, and it just falls limply to the ground. He's like, how does Cap do that? And then, <laughs> I love the vault. They, I love that this also, this, the juxtaposition between the two here, five people having to hide and take down one of these drones together in this moment is such a great reminder of what Peter's doing by mm-hmm. facing a thousand of them. And yeah. I just mm-hmm. love that. Uh, out of webs, of course, Peter has to improvise. Uh, back, <laughs> in the, back in the uh, vault, the kids, faced with death, start oversharing and happy confessions to being in love with Spider-Man's aunt. And he's like, wait, I thought we were, I thought we were confessing. I thought we were in like, a true is, trust. Is Betty Brant in the inner circle in this next one, do I you don't, think? She must be, right? Because now she can put two and two together when she sees happy with Aunt May. She's going to know that Peter's Spider-Man. Well, I guess it doesn't matter at the end of this movie. Who cares? Yeah. Everyone figures out that Peter's Spider-Man. 
Mm. I, I'd love for her to be the to be part of the inner circle. I also love. I also love this moment. We talk about the moments of Peter and Spider Man being like coming together and how hard that was for them to get right in the movies. Peter being out of webs and being like, "Well, I'm Spider Man, but let's not forget. Just because I have the Spider Man suit on doesn't mean I forget." freaking science yeah like i'll figure out how to do this yeah it's cool and he i like how he hitches the ride on like the, the, the gun that like blows things up into the air like the gravity gun or whatever the heck yeah. it is uh of course when he gets up by the way shout out to jake gyllenhaal just loving loving all the scenes he's in just playing it up as hard as he possibly can in this one like uh, bridge hallway, hallway. Have him <laughs> but uh peter goes up and grabs him and of course um Beck, not to be outdone, casts Peter once more time into the illusionscape. Uh, Peter takes a deep breath and then tells himself, come on, Peter Tingle. And he straight murks all the drones. I we're, think all, seeing- we're, all, we're all ninja. We're all ninja kung fu movie fans, right? Of course. Sure. We, all, we all love a classic Shaw Brothers or like a Wuja movie or something like that. Sure. This, this moment where the, like the samurai or the martial artist just like closes their eyes Focus. and like tapes right. a breath. Mm. It's good. Mm. It's always mm. gratifying. It's, of course we do. This is really the payoff to the Peter Tingle where he even is like, I'm just going to call it the Peter Tingle because that's what it's been called. Not to doubt himself. And it's great. Uh, of course, de- desperate uh, Beck tells all the drones to fire on his position and ends up taking a bullet to the gut or so we think we don't know, but it's all still an illusion uh, as Peter kind of walks up to him. Beck's like, no, 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 Peter. No, no, no. And then Peter gets the tingle one more time and grabs over to the, to the right where nothing is, but it's realized that uh, Beck is actually holding a gun to his head. He's not. Ooh, in front of him how did you know it was the blue arrow? You know what I mean? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And he says, you can't trick me anymore. Uh, and he takes back Edith and cancels all the drone strikes. Uh, but he says it in a really weird way. And you're like, why would you phrase it like that? And that's yeah. in a, a little bit of a critique on this movie. I'm like, who would say execute them all? No, just send them all back. It was like, execute them all. It's like, that's ah, kind of weird. Uh, but Peter asked Beck. I want get- you to kill innocent people right now, Edith. I, Peter Parker, am the one saying this. What a strange passphrase. Yeah. <laughs> very, very, very <laughs> Voice authentication, authenticated. Uh, Peter asked Beck how he could do all of this. And he says, you'll see, Peter, people need to believe. And nowadays, they'll believe anything. And it's like, oh, that's ominous and, and foreshadowing. Uh, Beck's man, William, grabs the video of all this and absconds. Peter runs to MJ and hugs her. Uh, he drops. She drops the mace uh, that she brought for protection. And it's a very cute scene. Happy gives her, uh, excuse me, he gives... Peter, the black Dahlia to give to her, uh, which is now in pieces. Uh, Peter tries to explain his grand plan to her, and she says, I don't care about any of that, and kisses him. Uh, and then uh, she Their looks kisses at him. are so cute. Oh, They're gosh. such cute little kid kisses. Uh, I, I do like the part where he shows her the black Dahlia, and he's like, oh, I'm sorry, it's in pieces. So she goes, I actually like it better in pieces. And he goes, it's a black Dahlia, too. He goes, yeah, I like the murders. And then he says, I really like you. She says, I really <laughs> like you too. And they kiss again. And then MJ heads back uh, to, to the rest of the class, but she picks up the mace again just in case. And it's, it's very awkward a, and very cute. It's just a different vibe, but I'll tell you what. The, the bond is there. Yeah. The bond is there. It's not a sexy bond. It doesn't have to be. But it's yeah. just, it's so good. Love it's it. It's so good. Nobody's getting, no, yeah, exactly. It's Question. It's Question for you guys. Sure. Do you think that we'll get a Mary Jane in the MCU. That mm. is a sexy supermodel. No. I don't think so. I think we're beyond that at this point. We might get a Gwen, but we'll I don't get a think Gwen. we have our MJ. Right. I don't think but we get MJ a MJ is MJ. sort of that combination of both of them, right? Like mm-hmm. she's really smart. She's, you know, but and she's not what the original Kirsten Dunst MJ was. That's this, this is where that. Tim will say, 
and I love you for saying this every time, Tim. What do people need to read if they don't understand where this version of MJ comes from? Oh, I need to read. Yeah. It's Ultimate Spider-Man. Ultimate Spider-Man, yeah. baby. Yeah. Need to watch. I need to keep always saying spectacular Spider-Man. MJ, I think they do the supermodel thing right in that iteration of it all. But, yo, everybody, read Ultimate Spider-Man. Watch Spectacular Spider-Man. Let's go. Uh, Happy meets up with Nick and Maria and tells – and then when they ask where Peter is, he says, I need to speak with him. He says, he'll call you. And then back at the airport, back home, uh, Mm. Peter and MJ hold hands. And Peter asks MJ if anyone else has figured out he's Spider-Man. And she says, nobody pays attention to you. (laughs) Also (laughs) – MJ, just saying the thing. She's just saying the thing. Deep cuts here. Cutting cutting to the core of me. Uh, Also, Ned and Betty uh, broke up, sadly. Uh, But in Flash – uh, gets picked up by his butler, which is actually sad too. And he says, it is a sad moment, it. right? It's, oh, it's really sad. Yeah. yeah I, like I, I'm hoping we get more flesh, and I don't think that there's going to be room for it in No Way Home. But I'm hoping that at some point we we do get some follow ups to this because that is some dark shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, I love that Ned is more talks about his breakup in a like like he's a 35 year old man that's gone through like couples counseling. Yeah. Like they're so good. This is what I'm talking about. We're like this whole relationship, so like funny. it's, so, it's funny. so good. Cause they it's just so have this entire adult relationship throughout the whole. Re- oh, it's good. And then we it's have good. this great and in the moment comics, where, uh, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go for it. Go for it. Oh, I was just going to say, and in the comics, of course, like Ned and Betty are a thing for a very long time and their relationship is incredibly tumultuous and unhealthy. And so this happening in, this movie is like a real nice happy ending yeah. that Ned and Betty didn't get in the comic books. And I love that. Uh, May picks up Peter at the airport. And then, uh, and then we get this great little monologue where Peter's like, listen, I'm tired of, of, of all these lies. I'm tired of everyone hiding of, of hiding. I just need to know. And it cuts to him and he's sat happy and may on the couch. And he's like, are you two dating? <laughs> and then it so- cuts to them. And they're apparently not on the same page about their relationship. Which it's, I love because May is definitely like May. Ooh. We saw in the first one, May's got dudes hanging oh. all over her. Yeah. May's a all- commodity for sure. She's not, she's not ready to settle just yet, but I think she does like happy more that she's letting on. Yeah. I, I love this for multiple reasons because I, I do think that it now I've seen it a couple of times. I'm like, all right, I first wrote it off. Like, Oh, I don't love that. She's just over it. I don't think she's over it. I no. think it's a power trip. I no. think she's, I, I think they're I think still she together. I wanted to find it. And that's cool. But I really love the setup for this scene because it is so reminiscent of the end of Iron Man one where Tony Stark's given the uh, press conference mm-hmm. and he's just like, oh, the deception and the this and the that. You know what? Fuck it. I am Iron Man. And mm-hmm. it's kind of set up here as if mm-hmm. Peter is like, oh, I'm tired of the deception. I'm mm-hmm. tired of this. I am Spider-Man. But it's not. It's like, yo, what's Crazy going on, you what fucking happened? lovebirds? So good. Uh, of course, they start bickering back and forth. And he's like, I don't have time for this. I got to go. I have a date. Uh, of course, his date is with MJ. He swings over to her and he says, are you ready? You're going to love this. And he I like MJ her. I swing. like her text on the way over. I'm sorry. But no. I just want to point out that as... As they're texting, one of her texts is, don't text in swing. <laughs> you know that thing where you're like, where you're driving to pick up, to pick up your partner and you're like, oh yeah, I'm on my way. I'm on. And they're like, are you driving right now? Don't text me while, you're, text driving. Me while you're driving. I but love I, this. I do love also that, that he's texting and he loses the phone for a second and bounces off a truck and grabs, and grabs it. it. Yeah, grabs <laughs> it. Which is funny. Uh, and of course he says, are you ready? You're going to love this. And as they take off, she starts screaming and in Perfect. fact does not love this. And it's super cool the, the first person shots and then like going like actually swinging to her it's like all the wind hitting pure fear awesome. yeah uh she such screams. an inversion of like all that stuff where it's just like 
Lois Lane goes flying with Superman and like mm-hmm. everything in every superhero movie is always like, let me show you the world as I experience it. And they're like, oh, I love you even more now. And it's like, this shit is terrifying. It's terrifying. Do not bring me here. This is garbage. Like, <laughs> And I love, by the way, that you hear her scream just as the credits roll with the song, the go-go song, Vacation, which is per- mm. the perfect. Oh, it's so perfect, right? Like, yeah. it first one had Blitzkrieg bought by the mm-hmm. Ramones. This movie also features a Ramones song, uh, the I Want to Be Your Boyfriend. But uh, the, the the cut to the credits, Vacation, it's like, dude, they, they knew what they were doing and they fucking nailed it. Love the visual style of this one as well. Uh, of course, we get to the mid-credit sequence, and they finish swinging, and MJ does not hold back. She's like, I never want to do that ever again. Like, it was good. It was good. I never want to do it again. Uh, Peter, uh, of course, bounces right in time just to watch a news story about Beck's death. Uh, quote, Spider-Man attacked me for some reason. Beck, of course, had this whole thing planned. He says, into the camera, Spider-Man attacked me for some reason. He said he's the only one who can be Iron Man. Of course, the video was uh, has launched on a controversial website called thedailybugle.com, but that's not mm. all. It's not even awesome. .com. It's uh, just, .net. They didn't net. get the .com. That's uh, my favorite thing about it is hey. fucking J. Jonah Jameson didn't get the .com. Oh. Yeah, sometimes getting the .com. For How embarrassing. Difficult. It's difficult. Who the fuck is talking right now? <laughs> Uh, but of course, that's not all. The video also reveals that Spider-Man's real name is, in fact, Peter Parker. And it ends with Peter going, what the fuck? And, it, and of course, it cuts uh. right off just like the first one did as we go to the real credits. At the end of which, uh, we get Nick and Maria, who are really scroll from Captain Marvel. <laughs> and he calls the real Nick Fury, who's on some sort of spaceship somewhere. And he's just putting everyone to work. Uh, Fury, of course, just catching some rays and break time and then tells everyone to get back to work. And I don't understand the significance of this, Tim. I mean, it's him. It's him working for Sword. This is up in space. This is uh, the only other time we've seen a reference to this so far has been uh, end of one division. We see the scrolls coming to get Monica Rambeau, and they're like, "Hey, you got some jobs up there. The, the big guy wants you." Referring to Nick Fury. No, oh, cool. space. Yeah. Well, the uh, the fake out of this one though is if you're a fan of Agents of Shield, uh, when he's sitting and he thinks he's on the beach. There's a whole thing with Coulson. Coulson oh, doesn't know that. that he died. Yeah. Uh, and Coulson thinks that he was on a vacation in Bermuda. And there are like, th- or Tahiti, sorry, it's Tahiti. And there are like three seasons where he doesn't know what Tahiti is. And Tahiti was this weird, horrible government project that brought him back from the dead in a horrible, like horrific way. And so when you see uh, Nick Fury on the beach here like this, you're actually really worried that something terrible has happened to Nick Fury. Uh, and then they just pull out and it's like, nah, man, everything's good. He's just, he got a promotion. You got a dope video wall, man. Who doesn't want that? <laughs> he got one of those Scarpino life. brother specials. You know you what gotta I mean? Lo- you got to love it, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also, hey, everybody, by the way, how's it going? Hey, Andy. Who's talking? I also <laughs> want to point out um, that I'm happy that they were scroll. Because in the moment, I go, there's no way that they're that these two people are being tricked by some dude with mm, yeah. holographic technology. And it makes it it makes it feel bad. Right? You're watching, you're like, this doesn't feel like something that would really happen. And I'm glad that this is a way to kind of explain that away because I never felt like that was a satisfying enough thing to happen. Yeah. And that's Andy. something that Nick mentioned in the in the beginning of the of, of this is like the characters are just a little off. And I think Tim put it as like was it was it just like check cashing like they were just like they weren't into this one or something and the more you get into the movie the more you're like oh this all this all tracks i'm glad they all that 
this they fucking explain everything. These guys, mm-hmm. I'm telling you. Yeah, set up good. Yeah. And if now, you want to turn your camera on, you can. Oh, no, I'm all good. Hey, Spider Boy, get on camp. <laughs> I, have, I, have the, I have the lights off. I got everything. Andy, off. I'm sorry. You, you missed the part where we said we all absolutely 100 percent committed to getting Spider Boy tattoos. Like at the end of Lord got of the Rings, when we all got tattoos. We're getting tattoos. After oh, this, so. okay, cool. I'll pick you up yeah. in about 15 Spider- minutes. Spider Boys, baby. Andy, before we get to a little thing I like to call haiku and review, what did you think about Far From Home? You're coming hot off of a twitch.tv slash Xbox stream. Ooh. Um, I... Microsoft's Andy Cortez. I love Ooh. it. It seems like you all are kind of on the same page with me, with you just saying that everybody just kind of felt off. It, it certainly didn't feel like the heart was there in this movie, even though I think that there are a lot of great moments Overall, it just felt like characters are making uh, not even uh, looking past this sort of Nick Fury and Maria Hill situation because they are scrolls and that's explained away. It just feels like characters are making really dumb decisions uh, in this movie that don't feel realistic in a way. And and it's just kind of like bumbling comedy of errors with the whole glasses in the bus. It's just like it just felt really silly in a lot of moments. And I was not a huge fan of that. Um on a scale of one to Sam Raimi, how much are they not reacting like people to you? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good, actually. I didn't even think of that. It's cl- it's. I'll go Sam Ray and then like <laughs> that's the level that we're looking at. Um, yeah, I just didn't I didn't love the movie, unfortunately, this, this time around. I, I don't think it's a bad movie by any means, um, but I think the movie is largely saved and my enjoyment is largely saved because I just love Jake Gyllenhaal. I think he's just mm. such a he's such a dick and a douchebag. And the that quick moment turn where he reveals himself as Mysterio and and the whole plat, uh, the whole I was gonna say plan and plot, and I said plat. Um, the whole plan revealed is just so cool and like yeah. awesome. And I just love all the stupid little uh, flashbacks to what was actually really happening with all the employees, former employees of. Tony Stark. Um, yeah, this movie I still feel is like a little bit underwhelming, unfortunately. Hmm. Well, Andy, we have a two-hour podcast for you to watch where we don't fully agree with you, but we do agree with a lot of points oh, okay. you just brought up. So you can check it out, youtube.com slash kind of funny. Oh, great. Uh, but before we do that, Andy, please hit me with a little thing I like to call haiku and review. Seven syllables in the middle. You need five for the first and last line. If you're not poetic, no need to fret it. Haikus don't need to rhyme. Haiku. In review. Haiku in review. You can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny to write your review in haiku form, just like Eric Myers did. Bring in a banger here. The last drone fight, though. It makes my Peter tingle. Oh, no. Now I'm Nick. (laughs) (laughs) That had everything. I like that he knew that I was going to make those jokes. Going mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. All, was, of those sequ- all of the mysterious sequences are badass. So, I, I was shocked, Nick, so that you did not make more of those jokes about the Peter <laughs> I'm trying. To, I'm trying to clean it up a little bit no, for the not, kids out forgot. there. Who the fuck is talking? <laughs> <laughs> you forgot. <laughs> now, Andrew Feistner writes in uh, with a multi-part one here. Planes are just fly bus. No alcohol. Now no fuss. MJ treasonous a drive-by sack tap careful water filled with crap knocked out with a slap live stream from london hide before life is near done the drone is outrun where are mom and dad oh now he looks really sad feel bad for the lad 
A lot of talk about Flash here. This is essentially a Flash in review, which I really appreciate. We had a four-part haiku just about Flash from Andrew Feister. Thank you for that. Really appreciate it. That's all we got. Andy, where do you come down on the sack? Uh, How did he he phrase it? Sack tap. Sack tap. Where do you come down on sack taps? Oh, I mean, they are just a a jubilant way to get along with friends. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. I had no idea the two of you were just chaotic evil. <laughs> we'll see at the next party. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, anyways, this has been Spider-Man in Review Rewatch. Uh, the long journey has finally come to an end. Next week, it's the big one. Spider-Man, no way home. Wow. Oh, Spider-Boys, thank you so much for having me for this oh. series. I love you all, now and I love Spider-Man. I think we all, each and every one of us, get a little tiny, cute little spider right on our upper thigh like right on the pelvic bone how mm-hmm. do we feel about that i'm in cool. Okay. I'm cool. Okay. I'm cool with that <laughs> spider boys baby let us know spider in the comments boys. what your rankings of the spider-man movies are after re-watching them all again for the upteenth time uh, i love you all i'm sure this will not be the last time we talk about these movies in 10 years we'll be back we'll be back probably won't be 10 years it'll probably be earlier but until then carboni where can people find you uh, I'm everywhere on the internet at a Carboni, except for on Twitch, where I'm at Anthony Carboni. Twitch, you cowards, it's mine. Give it back to me. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 8 a.m. Pacific, uh, me and Sage Ryan are on twitch.tv slash Pixel Circus doing a morning news show called It's Too Early. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and every Friday, you can listen to my uh, science comedy podcast with Jeff Kanata that is called We Have Concerns over at wehaveconcerns.com. Love to see it. Andy, it was great having you on the show. Until next time, goodbye. Thanks for swinging by.